episode 112 of the reptile gumbo podcast how do you keep up with all this because it says it on the previous podcast okay well i guess you are responsible enough to look that and i remember saying 111 last week that's awesome so uh, and then i realized that's a that's a lot i've been doing it this is. for over two years you've been doing this for a long time man we're really about a year and a half in you and are yeah i feel bad because all the pint size podcast we, we haven't put out an episode in like a week or two and uh it'll get done when it gets done i got this podcast in school and that you done. know what, though? We have 28 more wake-ups for school. Just yeah, I have way less there. before testing. I do, too, and I'm trying not to think about that number. Uh-huh. Anyways, do you want to throw out our sponsors? Sure. Our first sponsor is Lone Star Reptile Racks. If you are looking for hey, a high-quality high PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available, or you can plan to pick up at a Herps Reptile Show near you. Visit lsreptileracks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. If you want to get at a Herps Reptile Show, you better order early. Oh, uh, yeah. Early. The last three shows you've had have been pretty good shows. Yeah. So, if anybody's <laughs> wanting to get a rack or a cage or anything, you better talk to him beforehand to make sure he has it there or get there when they open on Saturday. Speaking of uh, Herps Reptile Shows, the next Herps Reptile Show is Austin, Texas, April 23rd and 24th. That's this weekend. I will be there with sand boas and rainbow boas. So someone please come buy a rainbow boa so I can pay for my hotel. And Robert will be there. Robert will be there. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet if I will be there. You may be there. You'll be there. I may. I J- feel JT's bad not about coming the to that dogs. One. Is he? Is JT going to be there? Yeah. Oh, the Grants will be there. Mm-hmm. You can come see like all the 5 million people that we talk about on this podcast. I'm sure our friend Tracy will have all her cool rocks. Dude. Oh, yeah, from... Dude. That stuff. The Universal awesome. Rock Universal stuff is rock amazing. Stuff. Yeah, Tracy has all the Universal Rock stuff at her booth. I'm kind of glad we don't own our own home because... I think I'm going to talk with her <gasps> when we... Because uh, we're going to build that reptile exhibit at my school. And uh, I may talk to Tracy about trying to get some rocks for the cages that we build for those exhibits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they look really natural. That would be cool. Yeah. Small small reptile zoo at, at my school in Texas. Uh Oh, so if you don't, if you don't hit up Austin <coughs> this weekend, though, there's not a Herp show again until the first weekend in June. And that's in Lafayette. And that's in Lafayette. And then the weekend after that, which is the 11th and 12th, is Conroe. That's the Conroe. And then your weekend off. And then we have a weekend off, which is Father's Day weekend. And then the weekend after that is Longview. I think like the 25th, 26th. Hey, look at that. Um, right. And then after Longview, I am at camp, and I have. I don't think Longview's until June. No, that, that, is, that is June. June twenty fifth, twenty. Yeah, you're about to have a, a break. All no, of May. Well, he has some other things on the. <laughs> no, I was about no to break. say no break he doesn't have a break. He uh, just true. has a break from herp shows. That's true. Um, It'll give you guys some time to get caught up. What's going on in July? Because yeah. I'll be actually, camp. we're doing pretty good. We're. We've That's made good. A lot of headway lately. Uh, July is. The first half of July is pretty blank. Oh, then we cool. have Slidell again in July. It feels like we just had Slidell. We weren't so there. Slidell's after I get home from That's July 23rd and 24th. So we get to go to that one. Yeah. Yes, we will be at that Slidell, which means I can eat at, uh, was it, Joe's Italian restaurant? Maybe we'll leave our kid here with your parents because I think they'll be here that weekend. Oh, that works. They can go visit. I mean, we all know they're coming to see her, not us. They don't care about me. So uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. That's July 30th and 31st. I will not be there. That's forever away. Uh, and then there either. And then August 13th, 14th is Corpus Christi. And then Bryan College Station, August 20th and 21st. So that's the next handful of months. And then also our friends over at 
uh, Wiregrass Exotics in Ozark, Alabama. Go give them a check out. There they are. Look, there they are right there. Tuned in while driving. Wiregrass Exotics. If you need feeders or if you want to go see rattlesnakes, they can tell you all about rattlesnakes because they just did some educational stuff with the rattlesnakes. Go check them out in Ozark, Alabama. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, our giveaway for this month. Go by and check out our – we've had very few people do this. I may end up extending it two months because it's just too nice to give away for only like three people. I feel bad for the three people, but uh, if you can see behind me is the mandala. It's hard to see. I've got a picture online, and the picture really doesn't do any justice, but it's the mandala with the chameleon. It's amazing. It's like a $250 value from our friends over at Crafty Gargoyle. All you have to do is go to our Facebook page and do a screenshot of our U.S. ARC membership, and you're in the drawing. So if you're already a member, log in, take a picture where it says you've paid and you're a member, yeah. and post that. That's yeah. all you got to do. We're not saying... You don't have to get a new one. You, know, you don't have to rejoin. Or, I mean, you should I mean, when you, it runs out. I mean, give them money if you've got money. Great job. Um, but yeah, it's... I mean, like, I have to renew mine, waiting for the next paycheck to hit, and then there we go. I'm going to renew mine, because yep. mine just came up. Did it? Yeah. Yeah, this month. I think next week... So I think I'll have like a week where I'm not going to be a member because I wait for payday. I think I'm good. But yeah, our, it's, it's behind me on the wall and it'll be yours. It'll leave our, our room at some point. Okay. <laughs> just, I, so I'm going to apologize in advance if I cough my head off tonight. Um, I see your pile of <coughs> cough drops yeah. over there. <laughs> you know, I had the flu last week and I'm still not 100% uh, this cough from what I understand has been sticking around for several weeks with people that have had it. No, John Feely, I know you know how to use the internet. You can leave a picture. You can do it. John Feely, if you message it to me, I'll post it for you. Yeah. If you message it to me, it's just going to get deleted probably. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Oh, so uh, I think that's it. Uh, You just had the show over quick. You just had the show at Temple. Temple. Great show for you. We just talked about three great shows in a row. Temple was a really good one. Easter weekend. Easter weekend. Slidell was okay. Beaumont was really good. Temple was really good. Yeah. So but that was the last Beaumont and the last Temple ever, though. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Beaumont is going to go over to Lake Charles. Lake Charles. We're going back to Lake Charles. So for those of you that are used to the Lafayette and Beaumont, this will be the last Lafayette, right? Or we'll finish no, up they another one. They're not doing anything with Lafayette. Oh, they're okay. Stay on. Well, Beaumont, travel on over to Lake Charles. Yeah, it's 45 minutes. Come on over. Check us out. Um, anyways, let's bring in our guest. So I'll go ahead and click on our button here. I lost my mouse. There we go. Chris Dieter from Crocodile Encounters. How's it going, Chris? I am good. How are you guys? Good. So I just got a text message from a friend of ours, and she goes, hey, have y'all gone to Crocodile Encounter yet? We were thinking about going next weekend. And I was like, a funny story. That's who we have. (laughs) She was like, oh, let me log in. (laughs) So she's going to log in to listen. Everyone keeps telling us we got to go. We're going to go. We are. As soon as we get a free week. Look, in May, we have no reptile shows. No, but we have other obligations. So don't just think you have the whole month of May free. I feel like I don't. Mm, you do. Mother's Day is that weekend. That's not important. It's not my day. I need I need big this year, I think. Big? You know what's big? Crocodiles. A crocodile encounter. There, y'all can take me there and then buy me something there nice. Go. There we go. I'm 100% down for that. <laughs> so it's been Mother's Day at Crocodile. As long as I don't have to do anything that day and y'all do it all for me. engagements and birthday parties and all kinds of things. I love so, it. It'll be great. So... so I guess to tell everybody where, where you're located. I mean, to us, it's like apparently 20 minutes down the road and I should have gone there. Yeah, we're right off 288 between Angleton and, uh, you know, we're between Angleton and Roche Sharon, So about 
roughly 30 minutes from downtown Houston, give or take, you know, on the freeway. So. Yeah, and I, I live in Rocheron, so. <laughs> I, I could probably walk there before this podcast is over so you probably could uh what all what all besides crocodiles any of crocodiles i did look on your at your map and uh it's it's quite large but it looks like it's on it's not that huge of an area but you've got a lot going on there it's 25 acres um we're the largest crocodile still in the united states oh, that's and, awesome uh, we keep 20 species of crocodile. I think it's 20 species right now. We rotate a lot because we do a lot with um, with zoos throughout the country. So sometimes they're coming, sometimes they're going. And uh, there's like there's 150 now crocodiles alone. So Holy crap. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And so, you know, we have Philippine. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. We got Philippine crocs, Chinese alligators, American alligators. I cannot mis- wrap my head around that many now crocodiles. <laughs> that's a large I say, I've number. only I've only ever been around two so I can't and they tried to eat you every time they saw you <laughs> only only one of them one of them was good man yeah it's a lot it's a lot and we have different bloodlines of the Niles so it's like you know we have East Africans and South Africans so they've split them right in recent years they're now multiple species aren't or at least subspecies uh, no they actually con- congealed them um, the one that split is actually the West African which is now Crocodilus suchus um, so it stands alone, but all the rest of them are, are considered just nilotics now. Because so. I think when I when I first got into reptiles, there were like 23 species of crocodilians, and that is not where it's at now. No, I think we're up to 27 or 28 or something like that. They split the dwarf crocodiles into three, and you know they've, they've done a lot of splitting and stuff like that on some of those, and uh, it's constantly shifting around a little bit. I believe it's 27 now. So that's where I thought we. Were. Yeah, I'm. Honestly, I'm, a, I'm a lumper. I'm just like. Niles are Niles and dwarfs are dwarfs. Do you do education programs or hands-on with any of your Chinese? The Chinese do not. They, um, they're here to see, and we, we feed them on tour and such like that. But um, most of those animals we reproduce, and they are part of the AZA's SSP program. And so they stay. Well, you know, we have four buildings for crocodiles. And so the young and the, they're all mostly in there right now in successive years. Our, our one female is about to lay again. She lays on the same day every year. Oh, wow. We're approaching that day. So, That's yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, it's so weird that they lay constantly at the same time. And the Nile season, you know, if the Niles are going to lay, they'll lay within the next five to six weeks. So We had a Chinese alligator at the zoo where we worked before we him. became teachers. And he was one of my favorites to do education programs. Yeah, but we only had the one and he was older. So we would use him for programs. I think we have 21 out here right now. I think that's, that's so exciting. There's a lot. I just want to come. I just want to come <laughs> stare at Chinese alligators. Yeah, I we're love, totally gonna have to. I love Chinese alligators. We're gonna have to go soon. Yeah, no, it, it, they're really neat. And like every like this morning, as example, we had a all the schools were out here this morning, and because um, we're in field trip season. Yes. And and so the schools are out here, and the Chinese alligators just barking back and forth at each other, bellowing. And so it's the first thing the kids hear when they come in. And the American alligators, they start, it sounds like thunder off in the distance. They're answering the Chinese alligators. And it just, you know, it's, it's, it's really impressive. You know, when you first walk up, that's all you're hearing. Is that the, that's a great thing about crocodiles. They're just so vocal, you know, so you get to hear the vocalizations all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. So at the zoo, I worked with a handful. I worked with slender snouts, niles, and dwarfs. American croc, American alligator, and Chinese alligator. Yeah, we have acutus. We have a pair of those. We have eight uh, osteolamus. Um, we have a set of dwarf caiman. I'm not really sure how many. I think it's four. 
Uh, we had one dwarf came in that ended up freezing to death because it was too stupid to get into the warm water. Mm-hmm. That's, a very, that's a very common thing. Yeah. yeah, That was shortly after I started working there. I was like, came out one day and there it is. You sit in the back of the thing. I'm like, there's, there's a jacuzzi heater on the water. And it's just going to sit on the opposite side of the yard and freeze it up. Yeah, they're bad. That's actually one of our largest challenges. Is the, and then we raise most of ours here. And if we raise them here, they uh, they do better. But if you bring in one from somewhere else, which we do frequently, um, you know, you really have to watch them in that first winter. So it's crazy. They'll just sit out there and freeze themselves to death, huh? Yeah, the, what they do is they find a uh, like a wallow, and, they, and the wallow during the day when the sun hits, it'll get warm. But it also is the first thing overnight to get cool. So then when it gets cold, you know, then they sit there and they just. They can't move. They're not smart. You know, they're not. Well, they are smart. They're very smart. But they just, in this particular case, they don't move to the warm water side of things. So. Yeah, it sucked. It sucked. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just remember going out there, looking back in the corner. I'm like, oh, it's sitting back there. And then I went back. It's still sitting back there. And then I went and touched it. And like, it's not moving. Awesome. Yeah. You know, fighting the winter in the particularly two years ago, it's been a, quite a battle. Uh, you know, because we're primarily outdoors, and even though we have we, our buildings are basically we consider lifeboats for our tropical species, so we bring them inside in the wintertime. And we're talking some really big animals like our Orinoco crocodiles are, you know, thousand pound animals, and um, we bring them in. But you know, we lost the power two years ago. That was you know quite a quite an ordeal. So we didn't lose a single crocodile though. Oh but, wow, uh, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, well, it was a lot of work, but uh, I imagine. Not, yeah, not something I want to repeat again. But, uh, That's how I feel yeah. when uh, when our zoo had a big hurricane come through, and we had to live at the zoo for like three days. I'm like, this is not something I want to do again. No. Yeah, the crocs they do great in hurricanes because it's warm. You know, they just go down in the water, they ride it out. It's no big deal. It's these winters that are the, you know, where the real issues come in and everything like that. So. Or no, because I. Uh, I'd like to see those. Victor in our chat says he likes Orinocos. The the coolest ones I've seen are the ones at the uh, the Dallas Aquarium. Has those yeah, giant- we're ours are part of those. Oh, awesome! Um, so like that, they're the the head of the program. And so what they they've done it that was like the origination of the program. Louis Ziegler and uh, and his his two that he had there, and they bred them and they spread them out. And then Brownsville brought in a pair from Canada that a guy kept basically in his garage up there for years and he had passed away. And then, um, so they brought those down to Brownsville and they've started to reproduce them. And so now we are raising a set here. I believe it's four or so animals out there, maybe five that are now part of that program is going to be released into Columbia next year. So this is going to be oh, wow. a release for cool. Oka crocodiles were born in America. And so we keep them separated and we don't do a lot of hand feeding with anything with them. And um, just so that when they, they're released, they're not going to be habituated to humans or anything like that. That's really amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a great program. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> um, uh, and that should be next year that they get released. So. I know we lost at our zoo. Well, I say lost. They're still alive. But our... Andy and Condors went to San Francisco, I think. I don't know. They got replaced with the crappy one. Well, the reason they went is because of the bloodlines that they needed for to to be able to produce offspring to go back into the wild. And when, being from the education side of the zoo, I knew everything that went on with the birds. So I can only imagine 
that it's very similar for crocodilians that are going to be re-released. You know, you mentioned, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, not being used to people and, and things like that. Yeah, because, like, worst case scenario is, like, you, first of all, you want to send animals back, of course, that are healthy and are, are not related. And then you want to also make sure that you're sending animals back that are, are not used to running at a person for their food. You know, <laughs> you know, even though they're going to be released in a, in a fairly remote area, it's just it's just things you need to do to make sure the animals are, are properly releasable specimens. Yeah. You, know? you don't want those ones that are used to seeing the silver bucket and knowing that there's food inside the silver bucket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or because then, you know, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to shoot it and then all that work that just went into raising it and putting it down there and all that expense and everything is just up in smoke pretty quick, you know. So. I couldn't believe the first time I went to the aquarium in Dallas that just those massive Orinocos were inside the aquarium. I, yeah, he's big. He's really, really big. They are huge. Uh, Victor also see likes gharials. Gharials are cool. I never got a chance. I worked with Slenderstein. I never worked with gharials though. But they, they get big. Like I know that they can get huge. They do, and they're fairly cold tolerant. We we're going to Mistima right now, which is a a similar you know structured animal. It's not exactly like the gharial. The gharial is you know even more slender snouted as the gar on the end. And um, there's just not a lot of those right now in the country. And um, eventually maybe we'll work with those. You never know exactly what the how the road will unfold, but, um, but it's an interesting species for sure. You know, so. It's just, it's Texas. I, one, <laughs> I didn't realize how much y'all had there. So that's, that's awesome. But to think that y'all are here and then you've got, uh, the crocodilians and the reptile house at Fort Worth zoo. And then you've got the Dallas aquarium all in one state. Uh, those are pretty amazing reptile collections inside of zoos that are, are being worked with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a pretty decent number of, uh, I would say, good size crocodilians in texas you know everybody always thinks florida for crocodilians and and rightfully so i mean there are probably more more keepers there than you know than in texas as a general rule but um we hold our own (laughs) everybody thinks big cats when they think texas yeah yeah there's so many big cats in texas tigers and and hoofstock there's a lot of hoofstock you know yeah that's for sure so you could just feed the hoofstock to the crocodiles. I just had a guy message me just now. He's got two broken horn oryx that he needs. Hey, man, you want to come shoot one of these? <laughs> That's a crazy concept of just like, hey, there's this uh, African hoofstock in my yard. Can you come shoot this thing? Yeah. That, well, that, we, we, keep, we keep African hoofstock also. We have yeah. elon and water bug and bison. But, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, the, the scimitar horn oryx is basically extinct in its native range. But yeah. we have them in Texas and... We still hunt them. Large, large numbers in Texas. Those yeah. Texas hunting ranches have bred them fantastically. They've really done a great job out there with that species. Yes, they have. That's another thing I think is very uh, <coughs> very interesting. The private sector, when it comes to breeding things, uh, can sometimes do a much better job than a zoo could. Uh, You're going to get me on my soapbox. They, we do a much better job than what the zoo I was trying to. I was trying to be politically correct since you said you work with AZA. I'll be nice. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not very politically correct. I mean, and I can tell you, this. and it's not really that they don't do a good job. They do a nice job, but they're they're very constrained by um, a lot of times simple space. And it's really hard to give some animals a a breedable situation, particularly crocodilian, as an example, when they're they live on concrete or you know, have a bazillion people around them all the time. And we have a bazillion people come through here, but we shut it down about one or two o'clock every day, except for the exception of Saturday. We try to give the animals. So we're, we kind of run park sanctuary on some level. Hmm. And uh, it's been really effective. And, um, 
And also the other thing about zoos is zoos, zoo collections are pretty much only as good as whatever their keepers' passions are. And so, and you know this after having been in the zoo world yourself, I mean, it's kind of a cosmopolitan collection. Whereas here, we're, we're a niche facility. And even though we keep the, the hoof stock and stuff, they're more of a space filler. You know, we're pretty much crocs all the time. And so it's a, it's a passion project for a large, to a large degree. And that's why when you come out here, it's just, you know, pretty much overkill. I mean, we have now crocodile enclosures along as football fields. And, you know, it just, you know, it just kind of over. And that's in a zoo, you may have one person that might like crocodiles and you might have four people that love snakes or something like that, you know. So it just, it just depends. You know, there's a lot of factors there. Well, and turnover is a big thing. So, like, I, I've been to several, I've interviewed at several zoos. And so I've gone behind the scenes at several and just visited. And so, like, uh, I've gone to Nashville. So if you go behind the scenes in Nashville, they have a whole bunch of, they do a whole project with hellbenders. Okay. But, but if the people that, that are interested in hellbenders end up getting a job at another zoo later on, that program will eventually go away. So a lot right. of these places that have these passion programs is because a curator or whatever, and that was like, I really like this animal. And that curator gets a job somewhere else, and that program goes away. But whereas you, you have your own place. You're going to be doing what you do for years. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, and, you know, and that's that's exactly – and the reason we're doing it is because I, I did it <laughs> – we do it professionally now, but I was doing it, you know – well before then as a hobbyist and you know we did that we were breeding water monitors and black throated monitors way before it became cool because back in the 90s you know i was writing for reptile and amphibian hobbyists and what have you back then and you know we were breeding these things and we, when we bred the water monitors and, and this is a very distinct memory of mine we actually had a business called salvatore farm and uh so we're breeding the water monitors. Nobody else is breeding the water monitors you know frank Redis is out in arizona he's breeding the acatharis the uh you know, all the Australian monitors that he had out there and he's selling those. And Rob Faust here in Houston was breeding yeah. now monitors and he was doing some white throats and stuff like that. And Rob, you know, we've, he's been one of my best friends for like 25 years. But back in the day for us dinosaurs that were doing this <laughs> stuff, um, you could not sell those animals because the imports were coming in so cheap and people would not caught on to the captive bred concept of being like a, a superior animal. So, I'm breeding these water monitors and, um, and honestly, I, and I, we would put them on like King snake to sell them. We put them at like 300 bucks or something like that, which at the time a water monitor was probably like 75 to a hundred dollars. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And like people go, I'm not going to pay $300. But I like this go over here and get that. But now it blows my mind that you go on there and they're sitting there a thousand dollars. It's crazy. You get those black you know, dragons and they're insane. Too far ahead, but we were probably too far ahead. What I've said has been the problem with a lot of stuff. Uh, as much as importing has its place and it's very good as far as bloodlines and helps with this or that, it really has ruined, I think, some of the hobby or at least hindered some of the hobby. So, like, Savannah monitors are always my number one go to on that. Like, Savannah monitors don't get bred really much in the hobby, but why should they when you could buy a $20 baby from an yeah. import? Mm -hmm. um, which means we don't really farther our hobby in the propagation of that species because I mean, if all the time it would take to finally get to breathe those same issue you had, someone's going to want to charge 800 to a thousand dollars for something that costs somebody 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the only difference I would say to that now is that um, more people really do want the captive bred animal and they're more willing to pay for it because you can still get a water monitor for pretty cheap as an import, but the people who are breeding them have no problem moving them. You know? yeah. So because it's a big difference in temperament and quality of the animal. And so, like I said, I, I think we were just a little bit early, and uh, 
I think now it's just a whole up there. But we have kicked it back up there. We are starting to breed monitors again, and uh, we have a we have a group of black throats, and um, you know because my boys are young and they like it, and uh, so we actually started another business, and um, well, it, we'll start doing. I think I want to start doing a few hobbyist type shows, you know, just for for them. You can so. come come to the herp shows. Yeah, I think we, I think eventually we will. I mean, we're focusing on just a few species right now. We're just um, we're doing black throats. We're doing rhino iguanas. Um, oh, that's cool. We, we just started doing blue tails. That's mostly a passion project. There, nobody's ever bred those. And I owned one, and it hated me. Yeah, <laughs> it hated me. What was it? A blue tail monitor. Oh, I I think it did not like the fact that I put it on a harness because it was the only way I could keep it from oh, just it, getting fucking away from me. It Because I was like, I want to take it outside and let it get some sunlight. But if I take it outside and let it get some sunlight without a harness, harness. it's fucking gone. Hated the harness. It would climb up and down the walls of my house. Well, the was... walls that it would climb though, it we the the cage was in. A lower room that had it was been, a closed-in back, closed back porch. So the interior wall so the was interior an exterior wall. wall. Was the outside brick, and it was very textured, and it loved to climb. And can that they wall. fucking climb? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jeez, they can. They can run straight across a wall. I, there's no fucking. You, you just gotta like try and wait till it's tired. Pretty much. Yeah. They they go. Um, like so. So speaking of the hobby, go to the other side. Uh, I get very worried when I see people buying crocodilians in the hobby. Um, I, I think of them kind of the same way. Obviously not, well, I guess they are as dangerous, but as hots, you know, uh, there's a certain person that those animals do make a great pet. There's a certain person that a caiman can make a great pet for somebody as far as they can set it up right and take care of it. But yeah, I would assume your opinion on the general public is that not everybody's meant to have a caiman or a Nile cross of some sort. No. So <laughs> I have seen a whole lot of Cayman being sold at shows lately. Lately, I know. They must and have come in a whole bunch of months. You see a bunch of them on our local Facebook group saying, I bought this and can't really take care of it. Does anybody want to buy it? Because it's not a fucking lizard. Right. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Like, man, I, I could tell you a million stories about it. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it, what happens around here a lot is alligators. People will pluck alligators out of, the, you know, a ditch or something like that. And they'll keep it for a while. I mean, we literally, about a year or so ago, came back. My family and I were out to get something to eat. And there was a box sitting in front of our gate. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, somebody dropped a bunch. I thought maybe bearded dragons or something off. We'd see the little heads hopping around there. And it was like 21 baby alligators. <gasps> Jesus. Yeah, How they had the taken hell them. did they get them without mom coming and tearing them up? I have no idea. They were in a box Damn. at our gate. That's all I can tell you. I mean, it's like literally. So, therefore, we have all these alligators. They can't be released. So, we literally go from, you know, <laughs> you just have 21 alligators that you're going to have to raise because you can't really release them. They've already been fed and everything like that. They're all coming to us for food and everything like that. So, like, here, here you go. So, they. You know, and when it comes to alligators in the state, there's only three ways you can really have them. You can have a, a farmer's permit, which, of course, is for hide use and such like that. You can have an educational display permit for teachers like yourselves who want to keep one in a, a school setting. We need or to get more information have, on that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, or you can have a zoological permit, which is what we have in Houston Zoo and San Antonio Zoo and everybody else like that has. And so when you get these, they drop 21 alligators on you. The next day, I have to call the state and I have to say, hey, look, because you know, the state sends you a permit. It says, say, you keep 50 alligators. Well, somebody drops 21 on my porch. Now I have to go to 71, you know, and so you have to call. <laughs> you know, hey, look, this is what happened. 
and the state of Texas is really good about this. And, um, you know, they really are very good at facilitating, you know, the proper pathways. And, um, and so they, they do do that, but still you're, you're responsible for those animals then for the rest of their lives, you know? So, you know, it, it, whatever you do with them, you know, wherever you put them, they, it's gotta, it's gotta be accounted for, for the next hundred years, you know? So. And people would bring us baby alligators at the zoo and like this poor baby alligator. Like that poor baby alligator was probably 10 feet away from its mom. And you didn't get eaten. You're amazing. It's amazing. You brought this thing yeah. in. And while I was talking to you here, I'm right here. I'm getting message from another zoo. They've collected three confiscations and they're in really bad shape and they wanted to, you know, you know, they need a little bit of help. And, and we do that a lot. We consult a lot of different facilities, you know, trying to, because the, on the upside of this, when, you, when you've when you dealt with as many animals as we have day to day, we've seen it all. I mean, whether it's conjunctivitis or you, you just see everything, you know, so you become like this giant encyclopedia of real world experience to try to help, you know, some of these situations, whether the animal's stunted or, you know, or something like that. But to go back to your original point, yeah, there's, there's some, some, most people have no idea what they're getting when they're getting into a crocodilian. Even if you get a dwarf caiman you know which is a, a relatively small crocodilian it's still a really significantly dangerous animal yeah and, and if you're getting an animal like a Nile crocodile which you know the reason we have 150 of them is you can we only send them to other facilities you know so if they're going anywhere they're going to go like we have a zoo in mexico right now would like to have a group of seven and uh we just send i think five of them out to another zoo um and then uh so we move them around like that, but otherwise we don't ever send them out. You just can't send them to a private sector bird because that's an animal to me. I actually think is worse than a hot. Uh, the yeah. same with a saltwater crocodile because the, the the simple thing is if I get bit by a hot, you know, there's anti venoms, there's things like that you can do. If you're keeping a big crocodile and a big crocodile gets a hold of you, I mean, it's a one time experience. You're going in the water. I mean, there's no anti venom for that kind of situation. No. You know? Yeah, it's. I just, it just always amazes me to see people buying these and, and, and they're not, they're not expensive. You know, it's, it's, it's the first time I went to a show and I saw hots and I saw that like you could buy a Gaboon Viper for 60 bucks. And then I, I realized, well, yeah, I mean, who's going to buy it? It's a small pot, small group of people. So the price can't be high. And the same thing happens with all these crocodilians is it's a small group of people that are going to be crazy enough to try and buy this and then keep it in a plastic tub under their bed. Yeah. And there's, and there's kind of like a sweet spot for them. So the babies, you know, they, they get them and they basically it's really the only size you can truly sell them. And then once they hit, usually it's about three foot. And once they hit three foot, they just become, people don't want to change your water anymore because it's trying to kill them. People, you know, they're always jumping at me every time I go to feed it. Well, yeah, I say, yeah. what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. so I had, I had an adult female Nile jump. I, I had the pool drained. It was a four and a half foot deep concrete pool. She was sitting up on the ledge and I'm in there like raking the leaves at, and she's good for a while. And all of a sudden she's like, I'm going to go eat this guy. And she leaps <laughs> out straight out and drops four and a half foot down onto the concrete. And I turned around and ran straight up the waterfall and I was gone. And that was as clean as the pool was getting that day is fuck it. <laughs> but that was, that was enough for me to go. Yeah. I mean, and then people are like, it's just, it kills me. I'm like, someone has this at their house. Like I'm done with this thing in a zoo, but someone has this in their backyard and their neighbors have no clue. And hey, they're listen. just like keeping it in a plastic kiddie pool. I know someone. <laughs> That's how it goes. The kiddie pool, man. That's a big one right there. Hey, but listen, I'm in. I'm in pencil. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I, I live down here. <laughs> so I'm on uh, his Facebook group for animal educators. This guy's a pretty responsible guy. And uh, but anyway, he was using a Nile crocodile in I think it was Maine. I'm not real sure. 
And uh, it had gotten to the point he couldn't really deal with it anymore, and he has it in his basement in Maine. And so he puts on the group. He says, hey, I, I need to find a, um, a home for this crocodile. And so just so I just happened to see it. I said, hey, it's a Nile crocodile. I said, we got 100. You know, what's one more? <laughs> and so I said, you know, we can help you. It's not a big deal. And, uh, and I said, but you have to get it to me. I said, I'm in Pittsburgh. I said, you either have to ship it or you can go ahead and I'll take it back to Texas with me um, from where we're at. And so this is Christmas Eve. Christmas Day. That dude drove from Maine to Pittsburgh with that crocodile. <laughs> He's been fucking somebody wants it. So oh, there he was, man. It, it was in the morning and it was out there. And so we took it back. Anyway, the reason I say this story is uh, that crocodile there, when we got it, it was seven years old, maybe four feet. Oh, wow. I was out there with it today. And uh, it's probably the worst crocodile out here in terms of attitude. And it's 11 feet, and it's just, it's a massive female. I mean, just truly that's, Yeah, that's a big female. Yeah, she's really big. And, uh, you know, but what happens is when they're raised individually like that is they um, they literally, you know, they're a very social animal, particularly Nile crocodiles who are very gregarious with each other. And if you do not raise them with conspecifics and they don't have um, basically anybody to talk to, they become extremely antisocial. And, uh, you know, and whenever that happens, that um, when they become antisocial, I guess they're really hard to pair up later. Gotcha. Yeah, I, just, I just wish, I don't know. It's it's those people that are going to ruin it for everybody else. Like I want, I, I keep telling Katie one day we're going to own a, a house with a swimming pool, but it won't be a swimming pool. It'll be negative. A, it'll be an alligator enclosure. Yeah, I can have my pool and then you can have your alligator enclosure. Yeah. Well, learn to swim fast, I guess. No. Uh but I've, I've gotten her, if I could ever figure out how to get the money and the paperwork and do it, I've got her whittled down to I can have a Chinese alligator. Agreed. She's agreed to it. But the problem is the paperwork and the money and everything else that goes with trying to have a Chinese alligator. They don't near get impossible. big. So. I don't even know, honestly, if you can get it for Chinese alligator in the private sector. I've never seen one. I know there's a guy. I know there is somebody in Florida that has one. He must have got an offshoot from one of the programs. That's the only way I figure it. Either that, that's the only I don't really. I, I've never seen one in the private sector. Otherwise, you know. I know. Uh, I don't know Dreams if they're broken. I don't know if they're counted as pre- private sector or not. But primitive predators in Florida, who's opening up that big crocodile? Oh uh, yeah, Kyle. He's, Kyle, really he's, he's bred them. Yeah. I know that. Well, he's in the SSP. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because aren't they aren't they one of those animals where, like China owns all of them, right? By law, no. or are they not? No, the program all runs. That's the Philippine crocs. Yes. Gotcha. And we have a couple of those too, but the uh, the Bronx Zoo is the head of that program, and um, and so that's uh, I'm just reading this thing. Will Jones is saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> "Will's plucking alligators out of a, out of swamp over here." But um, yeah, but no, the uh, he's part of the SF, SSP because he, I believe, is in that program with Kurt Herbspire, who is also part of that program. So I've just I've been watching the videos that they've put out from Primitive Predators, and that. That's one of the best facilities I've seen built. He he has done a very nice job. Um, Kyle's very conscientious, and uh, I don't know if you've paid attention to as he, as he shown you the uh, pile the pied now crocodile. Yes, that has been in a couple. He, we brought those in for him, and because um, he he wanted those, and they were initially offered to us, and I didn't want them, and 
I thought he would enjoy them over there. I thought be a good they would project. just get lost in your other 150 Nile crocodiles. Well, you know, we, we have a project that we brought out of Africa, and actually, I was this is this is a long story of it, but um, I'm not, I'm not I won't give you bore you with all the details of it. But like when you go to import an animal, you know, you, they let you have so many, and so on the import permit that we had, we had a set number of crocodiles that we needed to come in. Well, the crocodiles that we were bringing in for the genetics that we wanted, we only. <laughs> spots on our permit and so they said hey would you be interested in in this particular animal and they are nice animals and um but at that time it's just not a program we wanted to start because of the program that we already have and so i offered him a cow and he, he negotiated that out with them over there and then uh and then he brought him in so yeah it's it's a it's, good project it's really exciting project too so well and it's been interesting to watch how he's grown that from just some pins with some chain link fence to those giant pins he has now and the way they're built and he keeps yeah, he's, he's done. He's done a nice job with it. There's no question, you know. So. Um, do you have do you have Cuban Crocs? Yes. See, those scare the crap out of me. I've never dealt with them. Just the fact that it's something that can gallop and run after you like that scares the ever loving crap out of me. They are, you know, for a lot of Croc people, that's the uh, that's the Mercedes Benz of crocodiles, right there. You know, they <laughs> they want to go ahead and um, and actually hold on one sec. My wife is talking to me. Hold on one. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they're considered the uh, Mercedes-Benz crocodiles, and uh, we have four of them. We have 1.3. Uh, two of our females are pretty big. Okay, hold um, on just a second. Sure 1.3 1. is one male, three females? Good job. Look <laughs> at you learning stuff. <laughs> no, no, yeah. He asked me like two weeks ago, do you know what the numbers are? I'm like, one of them's male, one of them's a female number. That's all I got. <laughs> Yeah, so they're, they're out there, and we'll probably reproduce those, I would probably say, two or three years from now. So. Just every time I see a video of those things galloping across the stretch, I'm like, that's just not natural for a crocodile to be able to run like that. That's the weirdest. They, they can really move. I mean, really move. I've seen a now crocodile full gallop there, too, and that's pretty terrifying also. So To have the space to be able to do that, though, is like, holy yeah, crap. So do you all have, uh, you all have salties there? Yeah, we have three. I mean, the, f- the first one I saw was the one at St. Augustine. On our honeymoon? On our honeymoon. That was still on our honeymoon. <laughs> I made her go to a reptile place for our honeymoon. And uh, I was just we like... We planned everyone- our wedding around the Daytona reptile show. That's true. 13 years ago. So, I mean... We only we only got so much vacation obviously time. Obviously, I'm a keeper. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But I just remember... Being, uh, we have three males. Uh, one is about... They're a young group. They're about ten and a half feet, maybe, and the other one's ten and a half. And <laughs> they're still the itty bitty, like eight. You know, they're babies. I remember trying to explain the one at St. Augustine to people. I'm like, just imagine a bus with teeth. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's Max. But we have two of his kids. So really? Two of them. Yeah, that's it's just family. it's insane to think they're that big. You know, I kayak fish, and I somehow got into a group with an Australian group by accident at some point. I have no idea how. And uh, I mean, I joined it. I just I guess I didn't realize it was Australian. And I was asking something. I was like, because people up north here always freak out when they're like, well, what do y'all do about alligators? I was like, well, you just fish. And they're like, well, I'd never fish with there's alligators. And I'm like, well, you never fucking fish. I don't know what to tell you. They're right. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're all over. So I asked, the, I asked the Australians, like, what do y'all do about saltwater? She's like, we don't really fish up north. I was like, okay, I get that. Because I couldn't imagine being in a, in a kayak and then an 18 foot crocodile just isn't, I'd, I'd be done. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I always tell people we got really lucky in the U.S. All of our stuff are kind of pussies. 
I mean, yeah, they're not gentle. That's where you tell them the alligator is the milk cow of the crocodile world, and so they're, you know, you take you take liberties with them that you would not take with you know some of these other animals. So. Well, you think about it, in the south, you know, okay, so cougars kind of a sissy when it comes to big cats. Black <laughs> black bears kind of a sissy when it comes to bears. Alligators kind of a sissy when it comes to crocodiles. We really got lucky. <laughs> Like and we have, we don't have horribly dangerous like colubrids that are uh, a lapids that can you know run, move faster than yeah. you. We don't have black mambas. We don't have taipans. Yeah, we were herping in knee deep grass in flip flops last week a couple weeks ago in Slidell, and Russell turns around, and looks at me, and goes, "And just think if we had really bad snakes here." I was like, "I wouldn't be fucking herping in flip flops <laughs> in knee deep grass." <laughs> just every time I see animals from other parts of the world, I'm like, "That'd be a cool place to visit." But I'm really fucking glad I don't live there. Like spiders and ants that could kill you i'm like no i'll take this shit we're good <laughs> so that's what i tell people like alligators are they're they're okay you go fishing around alligators they just they go down in the water they wait till you pass and they come back up yeah. i don't only imagine a 14 foot now crocodile that's just gonna eat you that's like yes yeah, uh they're they're definitely a uh a different animal than the uh than the alligator day to day, but you know the nowcrocs they also get pretty. I don't want to use the word placid, but I think it's kind of the right word. They get very uh, habituated to people, and um, they're not really nearly as bad. I, I actually consider the salty and the Philippine probably the two most temperamental crocodiles. They they never seem to actually get you know too relaxed about anything. But I mean, I've had nows that are so. Or I have nows that are so calm right now that you know when I'm weed whacking, I can weed whack up the silhouette around the animal and they won't even move. You know, so. I, I know someone that has a very large Nile that will crawl in his lap. And yeah, Russell Southern. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't going to put that out there, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Russell, who is having a girl, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, no. I saw. Yeah. I didn't see that. I figured you saw it, so I didn't tell I you. I did not see that. A girl human, not crocodile. Okay, right, right, right. right. Yeah. Girl human. Human uh, baby. Let's clarify yeah, baby. that a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he and his wife are having a baby. There we go. Man, that was the longest description <laughs> of he's they're having a baby. Anyways. Uh you would think like salt waters at some point wouldn't be that way. Like, you know, they always talk about like, like a, a guy who's really big tends to be a, a softy just because they've never really had to fight because they're that big. People leave him alone. You would think that a 17-foot <laughs> crocodile after millions of years of evolution would be like, nah, I'm, I can be pretty laid back. Nothing's going to mess with me. They're the worst. They, um, I mean, they're temperamental. They're they're prissy. They, to me, they're, they're not a strong animal, um, at least compared to other crocodiles. They, they're kind of wispy in the weather, you know, as far as that goes. And um, they're just, they're just not, they're kind of a lot of hype. <laughs> and deservedly so in some in some cases but like like when we go to uh when we train our crocodiles we spend a lot of time making sure they do what we want them to do you know for safety reasons the now crocodile he's just so bold man i mean they'll stay right on the surface come right over to they don't care if they see you see them they're like dude here i am you know whatever come feed me but um the salties will always dive submerge and lay underneath the water there might be four inches of water and you know he's there and he thinks he's hit and then boom you know explosion every single time you could have had him 100 years and sucker still do it it's just, it just like dude just we know i mean it, and they just that's how they function and if you watch steve Irwin, even on like some of his old shows or some of the videos that go around 
you'll see that they'll still come in under the water. And until they come out of the water, they sit there underneath that water. Wait, mm-hmm. that's just their, it's their preferred mode of, uh, of attack. And, um, and so it just makes them really interesting captives, you know, in that regard. But it's great for a show croc, though, because you know it's there. The audience doesn't always know that it's there. You know, and just tap in the water, boom, and there's an explosion. You know, this crocodile comes exploding out of there, whereas the now is just like, dude, here I am. Yeah. You know I mean? Well, even like when you watch any of the National Geographics of like wildebeest and shit crossing the river, the Niles are sitting on top of the wall. Like, you're just like, how do they not see this giant yeah, crocodile exactly. coming up to their face? makes it a whole lot uh lot more efficient to go ahead and, and keep them though because you know you can just see them which makes a huge difference of course you know so so i, d- I don't know if you can share any of these but uh close calls because i i've I had a couple but i'm just oh, as yeah, much time as one of there's any close calls that you could share any good ones oh if you keep these kind of animals you're yeah. gonna have close i mean mean, we try you try to limit i mean we have a lot of safety we work in teams and partners and you know everything that that we do but um i mean even today i mean we were in there mowing with that big nasty female now that i was telling you about and so the person who was in there with me she's baiting the animal to get it it hauls up and takes right off at her you know and uh, she goes and she had food for it so it grabs the food and then it goes into the water and and I'm going ahead and then mowing in there and everything like that. But um, there was there's been a lot, but not nearly. I mean, these are these are day to day interactions. We have you know hundreds of interactions with them all the time. And as long as you follow a lot of your safety protocols, you're, you're for the most part you're not going to have you know a lot of issues with them. But I remember years ago we had a, a big mill and we checked water temperatures and. I went out there to check the water temperature and the, the valve where the, the thermometer was, was, I don't know, a foot or so off where I had had it. And so I reached down to get it and I slid right down the bank. Oh, I mean, shit. literally right in the water. And while I was in the water, so I'm in the water and I'm, and I look over and this now croc man was like, literally, I'm probably like a foot and a half, two foot, literally, I'm looking at him right in the water. No. Jeez. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that, where you see I, your light flash before I, your Yeah, eyes. I literally, I mean, if you would have saw it, I mean, it would have just been like, boom, I got out of that water. I mean, I, I was just crazy, frantically getting out of the water. But um, he never moved. <laughs> you know, he, just, he just never moved. He was just like, whatever, dude, get out. And just, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't feel like it today. Try it tomorrow. Yeah, but as a general, you know, no, we, we really don't have very many um, close calls, which, you know, there, there's more... You know, where they take a run here and there, but you know, and our enclosure is so big. That's the other thing too that um, that keeps us really safe. Is that uh, I mean, you know, when you have a football field worth of, oh, yeah. you know, area to move around in, that you, you're really, you know, you can move and uh, around and do that kind of stuff, and it's not really that dangerous. It's when you get in really tight spots where you wouldn't have any maneuverability that you'd have. Which, yeah, like as an example, we, when we mow these things, we mow with a tractor. You know, it's not that's how big some of these enclosures are. I mean, there are smaller ones that we have to go in and do some weed whacking and touch up stuff with. But you know, when you can take a tractor into your enclosure, it really keeps. It really, you know, <laughs> that you was, got a wide safety margin. That know? was the the problem. The zoo I worked with uh, was in was a small zoo built inside of a city, so there wasn't much room to expand. So any cages ha- were kind of small, and so all of our crocodile enclosures, for the most part, were fairly close quarters. <laughs> and we had a huge American croc. Which they named Bertha, and I should have questioned it while I worked there, but they found out later on when it died, it definitely wasn't Bertha. I was like, it always seemed way too big to be a Bertha. Uh, it was more of a Bert. 
but uh, he would sit in the water. The problem was to drain the pool, you had to lean over the fence into the pool where the croc was sitting. And the yard, I mean, was not big. It was maybe, I don't know, 20 by 20, if that, probably not even that big. Um, and this croc was easily 11 foot, 12 foot, and, uh, and, and not the nicest. And so you'd have to lean over, so you'd have to kind of trick it, drain the water, and then like kind of spray him with a hose. And once you get on land, he's kind of like, all right, I'll leave you alone. But in the pool, which there's not a lot of room to, to move around in, it was very tricky to, uh, to not get grabbed by him. Uh, so yes, here asks if we lost any weed whackers to the Crocs, and uh, we have had them grab them. We haven't lost any to them, but I mean, every once in a while we get one. And there's so much personality difference in crocodiles. We had one we just recently moved to Gatorland. He literally hated weed whackers, and he was one that you could, he would come up and grab them, and you had to really watch with him. But um, but as a general rule, they they really learn the routine really well, and uh, yeah, and they. They're smart animal. A lot of people don't realize how smart a crocodilian is in that, in that, you know, you always hear these debates on, you know, my reptile's smart or my snake is smart, blah, blah, blah. But there's only one reptile group on the entire planet that has a cerebral cortex that's as developed as, like, say, a bird. And that's your crocodilian. And, and the reason for that is because the crocodilian and the bird are very closely related. And, and you guys probably know all this, but, um, you know, the lizard and the snakes are closely related. Crocodilians are not very closely related to lizards at all. I mean, it's a totally distinct part of the tree, and it actually it's almost avian. And that's why the crocodilian is so vocal. The crocodilians have the maternal care. The crocodilians make the nest. And so their intelligence level is far beyond any other reptile, which is part of the appeal of keeping the animal. But you can teach them an um, unbelievable array of things. And uh, from stationing to, I mean, there's, you know, names, they recognize keepers very, very well. I mean, there's crocodiles out here that, you know, key on certain individuals. I have what I call my own personal crocodiles. No one else is allowed to be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have those out here. And and there's alligators that do the same. Like we have this one alligator I probably had for almost 20 years named Sultan. He's just a massive alligator. But my, uh, my primary, uh, person that works here with me uh jade rio she feeds him all the time so i i think i've fed that alligator one time in the last seven years he just doesn't even bother to look at me anymore and uh but if she goes in there bam i mean it's a totally different animal you oh, yeah. know <laughs> and um so they're just they're really really intelligent animals and and because of that you know when you when you build your protocols around that type of thinking uh, with a pretty safe situation you know so. yeah I, I found with a lot of them when you drain a pool they go, oh, this is that normal time where they drain the pool and I'm supposed to get yeah. out of the pool. And they, yeah, they, they know. Yeah. Uh, we had a big male alligator, Moise. He was awesome. I mean, it was, I, I, I say he's a puppy dog, but I fully understand he's a full grown fucking alligator. But I mean, it was, <laughs> you just be like, you drain the pool, he goes, lays up on the ground and he doesn't care. And you call his name, he'll lift his head and look at you. And he was great, but he was also raised by our director from a baby. He's one of those, like, he was literally in a tub under his bed and he raised him up. From a baby to this massive. He's the one your director swim, swim with. Swim, right? swam with, yeah. yeah. Allegedly. 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 Right. His <laughs> wife swears that it did not happen. I, I know I the man. I don't know that I believe her. I know the man, or knew the man, and uh, I would not put it past him to jump in there and swim with it. He said the day that I was told, he said that the day that he gave him an enclosure, because it used to be in a shallow enclosure, the day that he gave Moise an enclosure big enough he could swim in, he would swim with him. And. I fully believe he jumped in there and swam with that alligator. 
I, I saw that man around animals and I've never met a human being that could do what he could do around animals. No. So no, I, I know quite a few people actually have swam with various different crocodilians. And uh, I mean, I don't do it. I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not, but it's not a risk I'm willing to take. You know, but Russell, Russell's one of those that just has this like sixth sense with animals. It also takes a, a, a weird brain to go. No, nah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it takes that ability to shut off the like the prey part of your brain. Yeah, because I have that in my head. I'm like, oh no, this thing will fucking eat me. Like, I, I can't, I can't get that out of, out of my head. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's you, a name for that. It's called stupidity. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think you have to be a little bit crazy. Yeah. yeah, James is so far away from that that when his kayak got stuck on a cypress knee, and he tried to call everyone he could think of. To come and get him off of the because I wasn't jumping in the water because he was not getting off the water to un like to unstick his kayak. Look, he texted me and said, "This is my new residence. I will be living will, here until I am not stuck I will in fish the water." See, I, I grew up in Halls Bayou, and I'm like, "Dude, just get in the water and fix your kayak, and then move on." I grew up fishing and kneeboarding and wakeboarding in Halls Bayou, right down the road from here. And you'd be kneeboarding and you have to go around an alligator that would pop up. Yes, you know. And they never. I, I will fish all day with alligators, but I'm not getting in there. They're faster than me. <laughs> now, we would see them and be like, eh, maybe we should go a little farther down. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like we were tempting they, fate. They don't scare me when I'm not in the water. I was also a stupid teenager who wasn't yeah. scared of anything. So. I'm surprised I don't have like extra toes in some of the places that we swam growing that's, up. That's not how genetics works. Well. You can't grow an extra toe. Well. <laughs> some of these places yeah, were questionable, you gotta, man. You got to be born with the extra toe. Well. Quick genetic testing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but oh man! So I, I lost my train of thought on that one. <laughs> Start talking about toes. Uh, the Facebook question. Oh, the Facebook question. So we because so it was blowing up my phone today. I asked yeah. a face, Facebook question today, and it got like I was trying to listen to a podcast driving down the road, and I was like, "All right, I give up." <laughs> it just kept going ding ding. Everyone got really excited about this one for some reason. My and students calling <coughs> me my phone was buzzing. I was like, I know. We're not paying attention to it. Let's go. <laughs> let, me, let me pull it up, and then I'll read the question, and we'll go over some of it these. It was a great question, though. It was, and, and and I really want some of these things people talk about. If my computer, I need to buy a new computer. This thing's slow as hell. I'll add it to the list. Of things I need to buy. <laughs> one, pay the government off for the first time we ever owe taxes. Stupid government. You, you move and enter a new tax bracket, and apparently... The government you wants money. You don't now. have a whole lot taken out. What the hell? I can't get this to load. Would you like me to take care of it? If you can get it to load on yours, mine will not load. It's a really good question, but I'm just staring at a blank screen. And I can't even click on buttons right now. I can pull it up on my phone. Are you almost there? Mm-hmm. Everybody's enjoying this. This is really riveting podcast material. All right. Here, I'll read the question. I got it. Oh, nope. That's just me talking on the <laughs> My God, there's so much stuff on Facebook. Oh, there we go. Finally came up. All right. The question was. I was about to say, it's right here. <laughs> oh, it took half an hour. If you could have one reptile to set up in a zoo-style enclosure with no restrictions, what would it be and why? And we Do got... we get to go first? No, we're going to go last. Ugh. Because I guarantee. But I want to go before you. What? No. Why? No. You can go before me, but you can't okay. go before the guests. Okay. Or before all the listeners so we'll go to the listeners ones and uh and then we'll talk i mean he already chris already has some he has there are 27 comments this was posted how long ago like midday yeah 
Yeah. Nine hours ago, and we already have 27 comments. Insane. A lot of them are really good. They I are. A lot of them. They're all really good. Uh, Chris Hubley said, Crocodile monitors. They're gorgeous, but I'm really... Uh, I need to touch person, so they changed it to Argentine black and white tegu so that they can actually touch it and tolerate it and, and handle it because uh, crocodile monitors are not big fans of uh, people at all. Good to know. Um, but croc monitor would be cool. Uh, Brendan, Ash- what? Brendan Frizel said his reason was Frisella. he just wants it, and that's exactly the reason so behind Ash- mine. <laughs> Ashley Howdy said, I have to say water monitors or Chinese alligator. There's several on here that are Chinese alligator, and I agree with every single person. Uh, Chris actually gets to have them, so I don't like him right now. But Chinese <laughs> alligator is definitely on my list. I love those things. Um, but Ashley said she wants something more interactive and aquatic. Water monitors would be especially neat with climbing parts as well as a pond. A big water monitor enclosure would be cool. Um, like I said, we'll get to Chris's actual enclosures in a second. Uh, Scott Wright said a uh, printy. Printies would be cool. That'd be a neat one to do. What is uh, that? Printy, a uh, big Australia okay, monitor. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, uh, rescuers down under? Yeah. That thing. Cool. Okay. Tastes like shit, but you can eat, but you can live on it. Isn't that what he says in, in uh, Crocodile Dungeon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched that like a week ago when I was sick, so. Nice. <laughs> Becca, that we had on last week, Becca Schultz said Chinese water dragons. Oh. That's a good one. That would be an interesting one. Uh, Joe Smith said probably a big male blacktail or yellowtail Kribo. That would be cool because they're big uh, active snakes, being able to see them move around. Just like a, like an indigo or something like that would be really neat. Uh, Ryan Gosselin said a breeding pair of Komodo dragons. Yes. You want Komodo dragons? Yes. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. They're not number one on my list. Oh. I mean, don't get me wrong. Well, I, but the I'd way love... that, the way you formed the question, the first thing that popped in my head was Komodos. Uh, Chinese alligators first thing popped in my head when I asked it. Uh, John Feely, who was in the chat earlier, said this was a cool one because I. I I would like to see the actual behavior of these Dracos. Those are the you don't know that they're flying lizards. Oh, okay. Those are the ones when they stretch out. They got the little. So he's enamored with them. Definitely not something uh, commonplace in the hobby, but uh, uh, many haven't even had much success keeping them. But how cool would it be to have a jungle setup to actually see them like gliding across some big setup? That'd be awesome. That'd be really neat. Uh, James Bergoli said marine iguanas. That would be another cool one. You could set up marine iguanas. That would be really cool. I think. <laughs> Todd Sanders said red panda. No, yes! not a reptile. <laughs> Shush. But they're so fluffy. <laughs> uh, I think it's Houston. They're going to have marine iguanas, aren't they? In that new setup they're going to the They may have some. I don't know. In the Galapagos? They're setting up the Galapagos exhibit. I mean, if they're setting up a Galapagos exhibit, they're going to have to have those. That's like giant tortoises and iguanas. Yeah, I mean, that's that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That'd be a cool one. Brittany Patches said Cayman. No, I'll pass I, I don't know. If I could have a broad snout of Cayman. Broad snout of Caymans are kind of cool looking. Do y'all have any of those, Chris? Yeah, but they're on loan. Ah. We have them in another zoo. Where are they at? Can I ask? Yeah, they're in uh, Rob Carmichael's place up in Chicago. Oh. Our zoo got them after I left, and I saw them once when I was visiting. I was like, that's a Cayman I like. Because I'm not a big fan of spectacled or dwarfs or any of that. Uh, but but broad snout, it's look they look more alligatorish and I kinda like it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know how they are behavior wise though. Are they are they assholes like the little Cayman are? 
Yeah, all came in a kind of I always see like whenever you go to like those pet stores, like in a mall or just right in the strip mall, and they have that came in a tank. Like, here's a caiman you can buy for three hundred dollars. I'm like, that's a fucking asshole. Why do you want? That's a horrible pet. You know, it always makes me laugh. I'm, like, I'm in some of these groups on Facebook, and I honestly, I try not to stay in them too long because it's just so damn irritating. But um, I feel you, you that. know, some of these, yeah, I just, I just can't take it for too long. And everybody wants to get, they get their dwarf caiman, and uh, they'll have these pictures of it, and they'll say, "Look how calm my caiman is. I can rub him on his head, and his eyes are closed, and everything." And the entire time, all they're seeing is like literally stress and avoidance yeah. behavior from the animal. The animal basically is giving up. You know, they just think it's the greatest thing because it's not moving and trying to bite him or anything like that. But it's like literally just total stress on that animal. So that, that reminds me. I show a video every year uh, about uh, leeches because we're doing classification. And there's a video about leeches. It's got Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he's in this little swamp up in like Connecticut or something. And he's holding this leech. And at some point, he's like petting it with his finger. And this leech is curled up. And he's petting it. And he, goes, he likes me. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. You're fucking poking this leech, and he's curled up in a ball trying to get away. Like he hates you. He does not love you right now. That day, oh man, it's so frustrating. So I, you know, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of trying to tell these folks anything. I mean, I just I've done it in the past, and it just ends up being that. You know, there's a huge disconnect with um, a little bit of the generation. You know, I don't want to sound like some old fuddy. Get off my lawn. Yeah, get off. That's what me and Ralph Fowles. Let's be honest. Get off my lawn, kid. And. uh, but yeah, just as an example of this, like the other day, we were talking about Savannah Monitors here with my staff, one of our staff members. He's real young. He's like 18 or 19. Great kid. Um, keeps a lot of animals. Does really good with it. Great husbandry. And um, anyway, we're talking about Savannah's. And I told him, and, you know, he feeds a bunch of rodents to him, which, you know, generally they, they eat, they're better off on insects yeah. and, you know, such like that. And I was telling him this, and, um, you know, and I just happened to have Daniel Dennett, uh, Bennett's book here. I don't know if you guys know who Daniel Bennett is, but. Yeah, he, he recently passed away, but he was the guy that really spent a lot of time in the field studying these Savannah monitors, and, uh, and he writes his book on him. He's by far the world's foremost authority on the Savannah monitor. I mean, just like crazy knowledgeable. And um, so I, I told the kid, I said, look, here's this book, you know, you can learn a lot, you know, this will you really learn really great stuff about, you know, the Savannah monitor and how to care for it, what its ecology is like and everything like that. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, no, it's okay. He says, I'll just watch a YouTube video. <laughs> I was just going to say, I guarantee he's going to say he's going to watch a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, I'm literally giving you the, the guy, this is, a, this is a signed book from Daniel Bennett, the guy who literally wrote the book on Savannah Monitor Care and everything like that. No, just we'll watch some guy off the YouTube, you know what I mean? So, some guy who's had his uh, dwarf oh, came oh, in I for did. three months, <laughs> and he's now an expert on dwarf came in care, and the thing is still only like a foot long. <laughs> But he knows how to keep it. He's, he's an expert. To answer your question, yes, there will be marine iguanas at the Houston Zoo when they open. That'd be awesome. I've never it's seen marine actually, iguanas. So I actually found like the site plan for the whole new area they're opening, and it's going to be really cool. I just like marine iguanas. Uh, going back to this, uh, Ish said Parenti also. Parenti's a big one. May, our friend Megan said Cayman lizards. I, I Cayman lizards are on my list, but I don't have them for the same reason she doesn't have them. Uh, because the setup for a Cayman lizard to do it right is just right is is complicated. It's not complicated, but it is very. Uh, Those are pretty. What's the word I'm looking for? Intricate. Involved. Involved yeah. Because yeah. <clears throat> it needs moving water and it needs water. It needs land. It needs to, like kind of lay over the water. It needs UV. It needs like it needs a a true 
like aquarium and it's like a paludarium. But I see people buy them at, at shows and I'm like, that is not going to get what it needs. Just, it's just not. <laughs> and so that always, bothered me. uh, Megan also said Asian water monitors, uh, Tony, I'm going to say something. Okay. I don't know what this is and I feel bad, but Acrocordus Chavanicus. I got nothing. Uh, hold on. Are you gonna look it up? Yeah. But that's what Tony wants. Whatever that is, hands down is what he said. No, don't know it. Drew Schultz, who we had on last week, said either false water cobras in a large walk-in enclosure, enclosure at least 20 by 30. That's a massive enclosure for false water cobras. Or Merton's monitors. Really boring, man. Drew, that's boring. Yeah. I was like, it's going to sit coiled up in a corner. I mean, don't get me wrong, they get big, but it's going to be big in a corner. Drew's a really good guy. He's got a really cool place up there, man. Another one who we're friends with and still haven't been there to see that. I'll be there before you, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, our, yeah, really well. He's got, um, you know, he's got his mind in the right place, and he's just—he's uh, he, a good guy. Yeah, we uh, we had him on last week, and I—I I, I need to make it up there. I just—who am I looking for? The Tony Dora do over. I can't sound those. There's a lot of R's in his last name. Tony. Uh, our buddy Jason Brumley said Chinese alligators would be his first choice, but his second would be a, an American alligator. I love American alligators, and I think they would be great pets if they didn't get 10, 12 foot long. You you cannot beat the American alligator on virtually any level. And if you're like if you're like somebody in Africa, what's really interesting is my friends in Africa, they all want American alligators. You know, everybody over here because you know here we're all chasing exotics and everything. <clears throat> so everything that's common to us is exotic to them. And the American alligator, as because of its personality, it's so vocal and you know it's there's so and a temperature tolerant. There's so much to like about them, man. I remember and, uh, watching Crocodile Hunter when Steve Irwin got his uh, pair of them or two of them that he got uh, when I was a kid. And he was just so excited when he got American alligators. Oh, and and you're like, you've got 15-foot saltwater crocodiles. <laughs> that, that, that's their native alligator, you know what I mean? So that poor Zega, that's, that's their yeah. alligator, you know? So. But I say that I never get I never get bored, like, seeing alligators in the wild. Like, mm-hmm. when I see like, no. there's an alligator. Every time. Like an elephant trunk snake. Oh, elephant. Oh, is that what it is? Elephant trunk snakes? Yeah. Those are okay. So that's what Acrocordus <laughs> cool like, Javanicus is. They're very strange looking. They are. They are very strange. Um, Is it the one? That's the one that looks like a penis. I can see that. It's, sure. it's like a lot of loose skin. Yeah. Like a very flaccid <laughs> penis. I held yeah. one of the, not a penis, but I held one of those <laughs> at Conroe one time. And it's a weird ass snake. If you've ever hold one, it's a. Because it just kind of... It doesn't feel right. There's no muscle yeah. tone. Like, it's just... Uh, it's a weird snake. It's also called a... Penis snake? Javian wart snake. Hmm. No one's ever called it that. Is, just, Drew, still li- is Drew Schultz still listening? Is he on it? Because he probably put one of them in his place, too. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, Drew. Christian Parr said tiger rat snakes. He would like to have tiger rat snakes. Oh, yeah, those are... And cool until they try to come at your face. <laughs> I've, I've, so I've, I've been up to Drew's place, but yeah. it was before they were open. I delivered some rat racks that I built for him up there. Then it's Lucas, more now. Lucas has been there twice delivering stuff to him, but now he just comes and picks stuff up. Yeah, I got to go up there and check it out. Uh, Will, <laughs> no, Will McReady, this is your hero, Katie, because he, he said hi to you at a reptile show because he knew your voice. I know. Uh, said probably a black headed. I'm, I'm still 
reeling from that. Like he, just- <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said probably a black headed bushmaster. Uh, they're one of my favorite venomous snakes, but not something that I have the space for currently. And I have a lack. <laughs> I may lack the stones required to comfortably work with them. I mean, I mean, I, I can get that. I don't blame you for that. Bushmasters, they're not small. Rick has them, and they're that's a very intimidating animal. It's a lot of snake, and the face on a. If you just look at the face on a bushmaster, it's like. I would in the room where they're at, and they, as soon as you walk in, every one of them like looks at you. And you're like, man, that snake's got a lot going on. You could tell they're, <laughs> and they're supposedly like laser accurate. Really, when they bite. Now I'll pass. I'll take our goofy ass cotton mouths. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is where we got lucky. We have cotton mouths. They can barely move on the road. Yeah, they look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to show you my mouth. Don't mess with me. Did you see the video mouth. going around of the guy that was like, oh, a water snake. And he reached out and bent, like out herping. And it turns around and bites him. He goes, oh, that was a cotton mouth. <laughs> I've not seen that. And then he like messes with the snake for a few more minutes. And is like, okay, I guess I should go to the hospital now. <laughs> uh, so that's how you know, how you know our stuff is not that dangerous. Because there's so many other snakes in the world where like you're bitten. You're like, oh shit, I may not make it to the hospital in time. Uh, okay, now I know why Victor in the chat said that his answer doesn't seem so cool. Uh, it kind of is, Victor, if it's set yeah. up this way. Victor said corn snakes with a barn style set up uh, as an enclosure just to see how they interact with their environment. So a big barn style area with corn snakes. Oh, wow, that's a cool idea right there. Well, yeah. and so our daughter got into corn snakes a couple years ago and very quickly realized that it was not what she envisioned. But she likes just the normal, regular corn snakes. Yeah. And you don't see those really anymore mm-hmm. no i mean I, I wouldn't mind seeing like a 10 by 10 room mm-hmm. set up like a barn with all the uh you know old timey like pitchforks and everything else yeah. that's hanging on the walls and rafters with some corn snakes and some like texas rat snakes in there watch them hanging up uh, in there. That's a great a great exhibit and one thing you know I, I learned a while back and uh is when you operate a place like say crocodile encounter you cannot um think like a herper when you do this and because I'll give you an exa- a perfect example is we used to do a lot of, well, we still do a lot of type birthday party, traveling type shows, you know, to, uh, at libraries and such like that. And um, so one day we used to take this huge 10, 11 foot Burmese python. Well, you they get a lot bigger, but this one was a, it was a fairly large snake. And um, so we, we never moved it when it was in shed. So it was in shed. And so I said, hey, God, what we're going to do, we don't have our, our big showstopper snake. So. We have this black rat snake. It's probably like a six-foot snake. So I said, okay, I'll take this thing. So we get there, and I'm doing the show, and I'm thinking, okay, here comes the snake. This is going to go over like a lead balloon. You know, I got this little dingy six-foot thing. They're going like, oh, my God, this is like the largest snake I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I've been there. And the light just went on in my head. I'm going like, why am I carrying around this huge snake? You know, where am I back out carrying this thing out? Where I can just be taking this rat snake and be done with it. Yep. And, uh, and from that point on, we never used that big snake again. That's, I, uh, Literally 15 years later, and, and no one cares. I, I bought a um, a Brettles python for two reasons. One, I've always wanted a Brettles python. Two, uh, I've done outreach programs and educational stuff before. I was like, yeah, they've already started hitting me up wanting to know if we're going to be in Louisiana at all this summer. To do and some. I'm like, no, probably not. Uh, but I mean, like a Brettles gets seven, eight foot. It's a decent size one. And for most people, that's a huge snake. Right. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and, and it's bright red. I'm like, yeah, it this doesn't is, have the weight. And, but like, and people, they're not going to get like the girth on them well, like you. That's would. what it's like with Rachel's blue beauties. Yeah, you know they're big enough to be impressive, 
they can have a little bit of attitude and they're gorgeous. Yeah. You know, they're just, it's an awesome snake well, to introduce people to. And there's so many other snakes that aren't 13 foot Burmese or retics that will right. impress the person who's never seen a snake and thinks that it's amazing and impress the herper who has seen everything and still go, that's a really cool right. snake. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sure. Victor, I don't think that idea is bad. I, I, a big corn snake enclosure set up like a barn would be really neat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, it, it would be an, I would do it. In, I mean, I'm, now that he said it, I might actually steal the idea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make Thank a you, little, Victor. we'll make a little sign on the bottom that says idea stolen from Victor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, people would love it. I mean, I, I can just see how the, the kids would, it would resonate with the public. I really do. Well, I like because seeing the public like size to some degree, but they also really like color. Yeah. Yes. And, mm-hmm. Very much like if it's a colorful snake. I mean, it really and like so we do a lot of consulting and um, the various zoos around the around the country. And so like if they're going to start another a new facility, um, because we've been you know reasonably successful here, people often will call us or email us and they'll say, hey, can you come and tell us where we're screwing up and, and and improve how how we function? And you know when I go out there that we were doing this one, this one fellow wanted to open up a reptile park and he was uh, I think he was in Utah or something like that. And his list of animals that he wanted, no, I, I mean, I'm like, I've been in reptiles my entire life. I mean, some of this shit, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And I, you know, then people just would not care. And like, cause like the big hitters here, believe it or not, are people love the American alligators. People love the now crocodiles. Um, people, they do like saltwater crocodiles because they're on TV a lot. So yeah. people know well, people come here and ask, hey, can we steal up salties? No one gives a shit about the Philippines, the Tamistama, unless you're a herper. You know, the Chinese alligator people go, oh, there's two? I mean, that, I mean that's yeah. a general. Which is such a know? letdown. It's such a cool animal. I love Chinese alligators. But we could run our whole business on American alligators and now crocodiles and be just fine. But like sulcata tortoises, big ones, people love. They're oh, just, yeah. I love them. I mean, we have all daubers. They like them too. But the sulcata tortoises, because of its size, people just, we have like, I don't know, 40 of them or something. And uh, <laughs> people just love them, you know, so. And I bet you're like me. You've never bought a sulcata a single day in your entire life. I think maybe 30 years ago. You know, <laughs> since that time, no. And they just, yeah, they just appear every year. They just are sulcata. It grows a little bit every year, you know. So we moved here back last summer. But my my tortoises are still back at my house where my in laws live in Louisiana, and they're in the backyard. And we were there this weekend, and my neighbor saw me, and her grandkid came over to the fence, and they're like. Come on in, come come play with them. My my uh, father in law said he was out there later on that afternoon, and like some old people came up to the fence, like where are the tortoises? And he's like they've already gone to bed. It was like four in the afternoon by four by four o'clock. They're gone. They've they've gone back into their barn. They're done. He's like they won't be out till tomorrow. But apparently people keep coming by the by our fence just to see the sulcatas. I'm like it's two fucking sulcatas. I don't know, but oh, but but, but it's like it's kind of like you. The turtle was popular with the public. I mean, and we we have a lot of turtles here, and. uh we could almost be called turtle encounter. I mean, we got <laughs> leopard tortoises, red foot tortoises, aldabras. We got the sulcatas. We got Florida soft shells, smooth soft shells, spiny soft shells. We have a huge group of Nile soft shells, which is really impressive. Um, if you can actually see them, they hide so well. I mean, we got what else we got? I mean, there's a b- bazillion. Hey, there's a bunch of. Uh, River cooters, raider slider. I mean, of course, you got raider slider. They get everybody in the brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like the cicadas, it's kind of like you said with the black rat snake. I, I think we're, we're kind of numb to it. But someone who never sees that, you know, a 100-pound tortoise is 
amazing to them. And I forget that until oh, I, until yeah. I show yeah. it to somebody and they, and you see that they are as amazed with it as you were when you first saw them as well. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they're still, you know, you know, it's funny. It's like, you were talking about the corn snake. I, I don't really ever lose. Sometimes some of these animals, I see them every day and I'm just in awe of them. I mean, I guess I'm a true believer in a lot of these things. Like, I mean, I, I feed now crocodiles every single day of my life and it literally never gets old. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm part um, of the we're off here. It yeah. never gets old. I mean, ever. And like the same thing with like you see a really good looking corn snake. I mean, it just never gets old, man. They're just, they're such a good looking animal, you know, that when you see a really good one, I mean, it's just, it's just impressive, you know? And, and it's to me, that's just because they're a more common animal doesn't make them less than, you know? And, uh, but I think we all go through that phase, you know, when you first get in it, you know, you always want to get the rare stuff, which I think a lot of it has to do more with human ego than anything else. They're not necessarily any better looking or anything like that. I mean, the corn snake's popular and so beautiful because they're such a spectacular animal, you know. And, uh, I mean, I still get excited know, when I catch decays snakes on the ground. Like, I'm just, right. Yeah. I, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think we just, we get numb to it sometimes and we got to be reminded that it's still a really cool animal. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. so Travis Wyman said that a Brettles Python, uh, he would do a big Brettles Python exhibit. That could be cool. I guess I like, I like Brettles. Uh, Michael Stringer said eyelash vipers. Some of those are cool. Our buddy Tracy, yeah. Tracy said, uh, Cayman lizards again, Cayman lizards are great. This one's cool. So Brendan said sea crates, a full coral reef, like 15,000 or 1500 gallon aquarium with sea crates. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, our buddy Dallas Rua said Sri Lankan palm vipers or Russell. I, I, I do love Russell vipers. Like I don't, I remember seeing a picture of one in a book as a kid and just that pattern was so perfect with the circles down its back when it was cooled up. I, I love Russell's vipers. Um, dun, dun, dun. And then Emma said, I don't know what this one is. Xenodermis. I'll look it up. It's a frog guess. I think it's a frog. That's why I don't know what it is, because it's a frog. It's got legs. I don't know. And it hops around, and it's wet. <laughs> uh, Robert, if you could have any setup, what would it be? A big it, adamantius. It's not a frog. What is it? It's a dragon snake. Oh. Huh. Yeah. A big enclosure, very naturalistic, with a big-ass eastern diamondback. I, I do love eastern diamondbacks. I love eastern diamondbacks. I've never... That's a really great animal. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want one. So, but we had a huge one at the zoo. And uh, I mean, it was probably six and a half foot and just like as big around as a two liter Coke bottle and just awesome animal. But that is definitely something on my list I would love to have. Yeah. I did like sure. the one exhibit we had at our zoo that I thought was really great when I first got there was our Gaboon Viper exhibit. Uh, what? He yawned and it made me yawn. Uh, so our Gaboon Viper exhibit was set up like an African bush tent. And on the back, you had a chalkboard where all these facts were written about Gaboon Vipers. And then uh, the last fact is that the bite is fatal, but the fatal like wiggles off like the guy died, got bit by it and died inside the tent. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I just thought that was hilarious. And so it's, it's a big open room with this big Gaboon Viper just hanging out on the floor, got loose inside the tent. First time I saw that. And then when I met, like, talked to my director, I realized... I can I can just imagine my director sitting there going, "This will be hilarious," and that's how he, and that's how he drew that up. Was we're gonna pretend the snake killed somebody? So I did love that one, but I also I also love uh, exhibits where it's multi species. And I know in our hobby that's horrible. Don't cohab stuff. You you're a horrible monster if you cohab things. 
but uh, I hate to break it to people. Zoos have been doing it for a long time, and it works if done correctly. Uh, but some like the snake ones, like if you did a barn with rat snakes and corn snakes, you could throw like a copperhead in there or something. It would kind of look kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like multi-species exhibits as well, which is one of the reasons why I came in lizard exhibits are great because you can do an aquarium and a lizard all at the same time. So, so what are you building next, Chris? That now, now that we've got you, the, what's the next exhibit you're going to build on all of your land? <laughs> I think we're kind of starting to max out over here on this side. We we bought 75 acres across the street for the next phase. So, um, just giant hoof stock, more hoof stock. I think more than likely, that's probably what it's going to be. We are thinking about moving our Chinese the, as the Chinese alligators mature. We're thinking about doing a Chinese alligator lagoon over there. I would just sit the, there. <laughs> well, we're at the brink. We're probably, I would say, five years out from Chinese alligator explosion um, because we have we re, we reproduce for female only for the most part, and so they'll be coming online over the next couple of years. The ones that we reproduced here, so we should have within five years about twenty active females. And uh, so, what you're saying? Is if that a baby went missing, no one would really notice <laughs> a baby going missing. That's what I'm hearing. So, you know, we have, we're going to have a lot. And um, so we'll probably end up putting the kibosh on them at some point. Because like now, Crocs, we don't breed them anymore, at least for right now. Because we may breed them again in a couple of years. We have a, a T-positive albino now, crocodile broad. Oh, that's cool. That we're kind of hush about. And uh, we brought them in from Africa. And so there's five of them in the United States. And they're all five here. And so we have one, two, three males and two females. And so though that'll probably be the next time we reproduce Nile crocs. They're the most beautiful crocodile I've ever seen. Do you have to be careful with them in sunlight? No, that's the beautiful part about them. They're bright yellow. They don't. We also have leucistic alligators. We have albino alligator. And now those you do have to be inside, but yeah. the, the T-positive albinos, they're yellow. So they're really great. It always cracked me up when everybody would see like uh, a leucistic alligator or something. They go, these are super rare. Like, not if you're the Audubon Zoo. They got a shit ton of them. <laughs> like at one point, they had a whole well, bunch there of them. Were, there, were, there were 17, and now they're down to 11. They've, they've started to die off. Uh, I knew that they and had so- a surplus of them. But you'd see like one on exhibit, or they'd loan them out to places. Because like before I got to our zoo, they had had one on loan there. Um, yeah, like the one that was at the Houston Zoo is the one that we have. So that one is here with us. And so, oh, really? Yeah, and so he's been with us for maybe six years now. You know, as far as that goes. So yeah, he's down here, Blanco. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we also have an albino alligator. He's got an interesting story. He was the first albino alligator ever found in Texas. Oh, wow. Uh, he was not born here. He was found on an East Texas ranch. And they were all collecting eggs for the, uh, you know, the alligator season. And he was in a nest with two. There were two of them. Uh, one of them was found malformed. And then there was this one. And they sent it over here to us. And so we raised it up from a baby. So, yeah, exactly. Well, how- used to be when you'd walk in the reptile house, that big enclosure right in the middle. I think it's got a uh, retics in it now. Yeah. Blanco yeah. was in there forever. Oh, really? Just mm. big white alligator when you walk in. Yeah, he spent, I think, 31 years up there or 33 years or something like that. So he was there for a long time. Yeah. So. <clears throat> he was kind of the face of the reptile room, reptile house. Very much so. But yeah, I remember the call and they called me. And uh, I'm good friends with the curator up there. And, and so my kid, he always used to, my youngest, used to go up there as his favorite animal. So he used to always want to go up and see Blanco. So we would go to the zoo all the time to go see Blanco. And so he calls me and he says, hey, 
He said, I got to ask you something. And, and we do a lot with Houston Zoo. Like, if you go to the Houston Zoo, those alligators that are there, those are our alligators. They're on, they, we, they're on, they're on loan. Oh, wow. So, and we, we have alligators products all, like I said, all across the country. But, um, so anyway, he calls and he says, Hey, do you know Blanco? <laughs> so I knew what he was going to, I told him, I said, listen, don't, don't tell me that you want to send Blanco down here. I said, that's the only reason my kid goes to the zoo. And, uh, he said, well, he says, you can still come to the zoo and see elephants. And I was like, oh my God, they're actually going to say, hey, we're going to send Blanco down here. And so that's exactly what happened. So, and, I, and the first day he got down here was really funny because Blanco was in that really shallow pool for three decades. Right. You know, our pools are really deep. Some of our pools go down to 20 feet. Oh, geez. So, That's... Yeah, we, we believe in making these guys swim. You can't keep a crocodile alive. That when, one of the reasons we built this the way we did is I really wanted to see – most of the time when you go to the zoo, you see an alligator crocodile be in the zoo. It'll flop in the water. It'll come up a little bit out of the water. You know, they really can't do any appreciable swimming or digging. And um, they really need it for their well-being. And so we we, let, we built these enclosures so they can swim. But anyway, I digress. But um, so the, the he comes down here and we put, you know, we get Blanco. He comes in out of the, the van and everything. So we unload him. We put him in his pond. And it's a natural earth pond. I think that pond was nine foot at its depth. And I think it, on a slant, it maybe was up to three foot on its shallow end. But he goes down to the deep end. And I'm not joking. Blanco sinks like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, so we're sitting there watching this, and the uh, the curator looks at me, and he goes, um, he goes, I gotta tell you, he says, if this alligator doesn't come back up, he said, my career is over. And he says, he says, and yours won't be far behind. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is we look about, I would say probably five or ten minutes later, we're all super stressed about this, you know. I'd say like five minutes go by, ten minutes go by, and all of a sudden you just see this nose, and he's bobbing like a fishing bob in the water. <laughs> oh, my God. White, white fishing bob is just in the water. And then, uh, and then over the course of the next half hour, hour, he starts to ride himself, and he starts to, like, be balanced in the water like he was supposed to. And um, but it turns out, but the, the best part about it is, though, his muscle tone has improved so much, you know, from being yeah, so when they come down and we visit, because you know we do a lot with them, they they just can't believe how good a shape he's in just from being able to swim. You know, I mean, it makes a huge difference to their physiology and everything. You know? So there's an alligator farm, and I'm not a fan of alligator farms, but anyways, there's an alligator farm in in Louisiana that we went to because it was like 40 minutes from my house. We finally went to it one year when my parents were in town, and and the one thing that bothered me the most was they had these pretty good size nine nine foot alligators in a fairly small area. They could get up on this little floating dock and they were so fat that the fat in their tails was so much, their back legs couldn't lay flat on the, on the ground. Like the, I was was like, the fat reserve was insane. I was like, stop feeding these things. (laughs) You know, crocodilians is a whole, and and when they're younger, they can eat like, man, you can't feed a young one. If it's hot and you really can't feed them enough, they'll just put it into growth. You know, I mean, you're literally, they will eat as much as you give them and they'll grow. But once they start hitting maturity and uh, their growth slows, you really have to pull their, their food down to a degree because otherwise they, they're not putting the energy into growth anymore and it will just make them really, really fat. You know? so. I'd, I had never seen it that bad. I was like, how? And I guess and they don't care because they're feeding them because people want to watch them feed them. And it's right. But I'm like, that is so unhealthy. <laughs> when their back legs can't touch the ground, they may be a little chunky. Yeah. yeah. Like here, you know, every day we, we run about we're running about thirty pounds of meat for the tours and their primary diet here is Missouri crocodilian diet. 
and um, and that the is big a very biscuits. Lean, yeah, the biscuits, and that's a very lean diet for them. It's nutritionally complete, um, and you know we we really I mean our animals they're 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 nice sized animals and all that, but it's very rare that we have a problem with obesity because you know they just we don't run a whole lot of fat foods through them. So yeah, we uh, we rotated between horse meat, which always looks so good. I wish I could have actually cooked it and eaten it. We used horse meat for a long time, and uh, until one lady took offense to it, and uh, and that was, I just decided it wasn't worth it. And it, you know, usually we didn't even tell them. I don't even know. This is just one of those days. I guess it got out, and it just because we used to piggyback on the use of zoo's order or horse meat. Yeah. Um, man, it was great stuff. I mean, it was really, really good stuff. And uh, super lean. Super you, you lean. Cut it into strips yeah. so it's easy to feed them. Like to toss it to them, and yeah, it was great. And um. But we pulled back from it, so now we feed a lot of uh, beef, pork, chicken, yeah, rats, chicken rabbit. Yeah. Oh yeah, that kind of stuff. So. Y'all have, uh, they, they get their own food too. The ponds are full of fish, and we saw one blast a raccoon the other day. It was, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, so the zoo I worked at had peacocks in uh, lions, an open air lion enclosure. A peacock flies into a lion enclosure one day, and someone comes up to me and goes, "Hey, there's a peacock in there." Okay, not for long. Are you going to get it out? No. They're like it's the lions now. I was like the lion had already killed it. They're like the lions got it. I was like, well, it's dead. Yeah. The lion's gonna keep it. Yeah, no coming back. You're gonna turn that, it into the lion. No coming back. What, what do you want me to do? <laughs> right. That pe- that's the dumb peacock. The smart ones breed and don't fly into the fucking lion enclosure. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, this particular raccoon had gone in the way. You know, I remember I told you that really big, mean female now crocodile, and so it had gone over in there and some. One of my staff members come and said, "Hey, did you did you did you get some roadkill or something and give it to that crocodile?" And I said, "No, I said I didn't. I said I said I must have got one of the free roaming coons that are out here." And uh, and so everybody on tour that day got to see that crocodile raise that thing up and smash it against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. So we had a big koi pond, but in our koi pond we also had just big ass grass carp too. And because they're so stupid, you can just throw fish food to them and then throw a net over them and catch them. And so every now and then I'd go and catch a big, big grass carp and throw it in with like Nile Crocs. It's great in theory until they get a hold of it. And then yeah. they're just flinging fucking fish pieces everywhere. Like the head of a <laughs> carp comes flying out of the enclosure. Like I did not plan for that part. Uh, I was like, I that's, that's why we make sure we try to do, you know, basically fish size, size pieces of food. We don't give them anything very big at yeah. all. You know? the, the bears were far easier to feed carp to. They just get it up and just eat it. The alligators and crocodiles are like, oh, no, we're going to rip chunks off of it and in the process throw a fish head 30 feet out of the enclosure. So, yeah, they'll fling it far sometimes. Uh, so there's a, an alligator park-ish park or whatever in South Alabama. And they had a reptile show <laughs> at it one time. And I did it, and I felt so bad. I've told this story, but I think I've been here before. Uh, some guys came from Texas, and they kept all their reptiles, these expensive ball pythons and, and boas and tortoises in their suburban overnight and yeah. they would they left it running to keep it was cold so that's the suburban running to keep them warm in the car and they would come out and check them every now and then well the thermostat <coughs> in the suburban broke and fried all the animals in their suburban ouch and so the next day they're at the alligator park and the guy that owned the alligator park goes look if you want you can feed them and so they're chunking like leopard tortoises and and ball pythons <laughs> that cost like five thousand dollars and retics just in with the alligators <laughs> to oh, feed the alligators God. Because they had killed everything. I was like, oh, that hurts. I'm too big. I don't want our guys. We go to Walmart every morning and get them fresh stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. 
how do you combat uh, the the digging that they're going to do in their ponds? Yeah, we ponds? don't combat at all. We encourage it. Really? Yeah, it's absolutely a, uh, a really big part of their life. So what you do is um, you just make sure your perimeter fences are far enough back from the water, and then you don't have to worry about it. And when it does occur close to the edge of the water, we rebar it down and, and make, them, make them change directions. But um, under no circumstances do we want them to stop digging. Anybody who wants them to stop digging, at least in my viewpoint, has an incomplete facility because it's a huge part of their um, their their natural cycle. Everything we do here, we want them to do, you know, extremely natural. We don't want them to, we don't want to take anything from them at all, whether that be swimming, digging, you know, whatever the hell else they want to do. But and so that's kind of our our kind of our for, our our primary thought. So we we work from that, and we have a lot of room. So because we have a lot of room, I can set these perimeter fences back, you know, pretty far. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not a problem. And some of these animals have massive dens. I mean, massive. I mean, these these alligators and malacrocs, they can have dens. You you know, if we drain the pond, you can probably walk in them. You know, I mean, or at least stand up in some of them. You wow. know, so. But the number one digger of all is the Chinese alligator. There's not even anybody in their league. So <laughs> they they dig. Uh, it's almost like have you ever seen what a naked mole rat does? The way they build multiple subterranean yeah. chambers. Mm-hmm. These alligators do that exact same thing. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah, they'll go down, they'll have one chamber, then they'll move over to another chamber. It, it's really cool how they do it. I mean, they're a pain in the ass. You need to get them out of there, so, you know, you don't. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, they come, they go down in the winter sometimes, and um, I swear there's no animals in there. Going, oh, God, are they dead? And, uh, and then all of a sudden, in the springtime, they just reappear, you know, so it's really cool. That's crazy. Yeah, but digging is really important to them, though. It's really, it, it reduces a lot of your problems when you allow them to dig. Also, the shape of the pond is really important. Uh, we don't do any ovals or anything like that. Ours are either L-shaped or, you know, V-shaped or U-shaped or something like that, just so that you can have, basically, you know, if you get an argument with your spouse or something, you haven't <laughs> they put another break. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, it, that, you just really eliminate a lot of your problems, and they, they do the rest. Yeah, it doesn't give them that ability to get a full head of steam and attack either. Right, right, yeah. Oh, uh, so let's look at, we do this every week, let's go ahead and look at some of the things that people posted over on our on our Facebook group. Uh, talk about some of those. One was this giant-ass gi- uh, sulfur water monitor the guy's owning. I don't know if you saw that picture. I did not. I mean, this thing is massive. Um, I, <coughs> it's got to be at least seven foot. Nathan and I posted that over on our on our Facebook group, not on the uh but yeah, it was just crazy. And then Australia Reptile Park, Ryan posted this. They hatched some uh Komodo dragons. Katie was super excited about that one. Your microphone's not on. I, I turned my mic on so you couldn't hear me typing because I'm working on stuff for school. The Komodo dragon babies are so cute. Ugh, I just can't. I posted this video and it's from some like I don't it's it's in Asia and it's like uh a snapping turtle farm or something. I don't know, but they're, they're chunking snake heads or whatever in with all of these snapping turtles and these glass tanks just lined up. And there's these big snake heads to feed the snapping turtles. Like that's, that's one thing you can feed them. Sure. That I'm sure they have plenty of over there. Uh, Oh, here's a Chinese alligator. Oh, that's right. This was the thing that Travis posted. It was a Chinese alligator from the, the Maryland zoo. 
anyways, they're posting on Chinese. I'm, I'm watching the video. I haven't actually watched it because I'm horrible at this. We have this page and I never watch anything. Travis also posted a video a couple hours ago of people doing yoga with snakes. With snakes. I saw that one. <laughs> Snake so, yoga. So there was a library a couple years ago that did like relaxation therapy with snakes. And they had to put out another flyer because they also had another relaxation therapy without snakes. <laughs> and people were showing up and they were pissed because the snakes weren't there. And that was the whole reason they were going to this like meditation thing <laughs> was to hang out with snakes. So like the library had to come out. I'm going to have to see if I can find that. It's kind of like I always wanted to be on uh, Fear Factor when they have the big box of snakes. And they're like, all right, whoever can last the longest. I'm like, all right, well, then we're going to be here for days, guys. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I you win the, all the money. Megan shared the video that was taken in uh, Freeport the other day of the alligator. Chasing the snake down? Chasing that snake down, that, that water snake down. Yeah. So I've yeah. seen that. I've had several of like personal friends that Pop have up. shared it, which for you guys to have personal friends that share it, that's common. You're True. in all those groups. I'm not in. I think I'm in like two reptile groups. But like my friends are not reptile people oh, yeah. on Facebook. That alligator sees that water snake from across the canal. Mm-hmm. And takes off for it, and it gets it. And it gets it, which kills me. I'm like, all the water snake would have had to do was just go down, just go Maybe. down. I'll get grabbed him. I saw one the other day too of a uh, a possum. <laughs> I love that video. <laughs> possum was next to that pond and looked back at that little alligator. And was like, ah, he's not going to do anything. I can love that video. Yeah, a little gator chased that freaking possum down. That's the most the Florida video I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> That fucking possum just, and then the possum was like, "I'm gonna turn around and hold my ground." You should have kept running. Yeah, should have kept <laughs> yeah. running. That I mean, that was not a big alligator, and he was like, "Nope, I got this," and just took it off and drowned it in the water. Yep. Uh, by by far, those are great stories, but not the most interesting story of the week. Oh. Most interesting story. I don't want to talk about this. Four men held for raping a Bengal monitor lizard. Oh. Yeah, I don't even know how do the logistics. Like, I don't work? understand the logistics. I don't want to talk about it. It's weird. I've tried to just hold a monitor and you get scratched to hell and back. These four guys fucked one. I, I, I don't <laughs> understand and I don't want to understand. The, the best, okay, so here's Have the you best ever comment. The best comment. Shit before? What? <laughs> I mean, monitors, when they shit, it's bad. But my thing is, did they work to a monitor? Did they fuck other things before they got to the monitor? Ah. That I don't even. So my favorite comment, my favorite comment was Jason Jason Miloradovich. Not to mention, he said, not to mention finding four guys who all have the same perverse animal fetish to go with you. How do you even approach that with your friends? He says, so just think about it before you say no. But who wants to get together and bang lizards? (laughs) (laughs) Jason, he was on here earlier. Oh, shit. He saw, told me we were bringing this up tonight when I was cooking dinner, and I it's was popped like, up in get several out of groups. my kitchen. Just get out of my kitchen. It's like se- <laughs> several different articles about the same thing, and I'm just like, how? Not how, like, hey, why is definitely the first question. <laughs> but the second question is how? I just, did the other three hold it down? And you had to. I just... There is entirely okay. uh, too so, much thought going So the article this. says that they had video evidence of the axe on one of their phones. Another no. article. Another article I read, Jason Miller Radovich wrote this. In addition to the videos of the men sexually abusing the monitor lizard, officials also found photos of various animals, such as porcupines and deer, on the men's phone. <laughs> oh so my they did. God. They did work their way to the monitor. There was an order. Porcupine. A porcupine. There was an order in which they would fuck. And monitor, I'm guessing, was the last one. Uh, well, that's when they got caught. That's so. oh, yeah. Guess where they? W- I don't know where they would have gone after monitor. Jesus. Oh my god! 
Oh, shit. This is too much. That is fucking weird. Uh, Megan posted a video of uh, our pictures of what was like a bull snake that's eating a hawk. I just don't. <clears throat> I don't know how that started. I don't know whether the is hawk. Is that the one where the lady was like, how do I save the bird? And they're like, no, no, the bird is done. Just no, that leave was a, it be. That was a different one. That's where oh. the lady thought that. Uh, she didn't save the bird, but she wants to know next time in case a snake is trying to eat a kid, how she oh, would stop. Oh, that's yeah. right. Because that's a segue yeah, from bird so to there kid. Was a, there was a picture of a snake eating a bird, and the woman was, like was upset that she didn't save this bird. So she wanted to know how to save a child in her neighborhood from being eaten by a snake. Yeah, if, if a snake if was a trying snake to, eat a child, to eat a child, how would she save the child? I don't know. Just pick up the snake. I don't know what to tell her. Uh, but then this one is a is a bull snake like eating a hawk. So I'm wondering if the hawk grabbed the bull snake Probably. and then the bull snake grabbed the hawk, or if the hawk was maybe eating something on the ground because a lot of times they'll catch like a pigeon, they'll sit there with it for a while, and then maybe the bull snake came along and grabbed the hawk. So obviously the bull snake's not going to be able to consume this hawk. It's a big fucking hawk. <laughs> so it's just a super excited bull snake, I guess. Uh, oh, <laughs> you posted this one picture. <laughs> Uh, Katie, of uh, the video of the rat picking a, f- a frog out of a hole. That thing yeah. messed with my mind. Yeah. Like, the frog is is confused. so confused. This rat is digging a hole. Well, apparently the holes are already underneath the house because there was a toad in it. And this rat just reaches in, grabs the toad, chunks it off to the side, and, and it, it goes back to digging underneath the house. Yeah. And the toad's just sitting there like, so fucking what confused. just happened in my life? That is how I feel on a it regular basis with my third grade. It doesn't hop away. It doesn't move. It's trying to figure out what the fuck just grabbed me and what happened. I think my favorite one this week is this little tortoise just beating this dude shoe to death. Oh, yeah, I posted that one, too. <laughs> Tortoises are assholes. I mean, Chris knows he's got sulcatas. They're dicks. Yeah. He said he has like 40 well, of them. you know, Sean had to bring, uh, what's that big sulcata? Carl. Carl home because he was beating up the beating other. Up no, he killed. killed yeah, he killed a couple one. of Carl's uh, tortoises. Sulcatas are dicks. Yeah. Well, they got that big. Some do. Some do. Yeah, that uh, <coughs> and they'll stab each other with them. That is true. Uh, there was also the one that Megan posted. It was a guy who thought he had found a wild ball python. Yeah. Come to find it. And he put it in a glass tank. Picked it up by hand. Picked it up, put it in a tank. And then when he had showed somebody the picture, it was a cotton mouth. So someone came over and got it and removed it. But, you know, they're yeah. so similar. I could definitely see where you could confuse a ball python <laughs> with a cotton mouth. They're such, such it was similar in Florida. Let's be, let's be clear about that. That is true. Lola. That is true. <clears throat> Meth will make you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh I did find that speckled king snake this weekend in our house at our house in Louisiana in the yard. Yeah, I yeah. That. I was hanging out in the living room, and all of a sudden James takes off, and then our kid takes off well, after him. Because my father off the window. My no, my father in law said he was out in the yard. He says, "We have James come out here. We have a snake issue." Well, that nothing will get me moving faster than that. Sure. So <laughs> I fucking took off, and I've never seen a king snake play dead, but it did. It the dog had scared it, and it laid there with its head tucked under. And had musked all over itself. It smelled fucking horrible. Yeah, it did. Um, its vent was wide open. You could see, like, it was definitely a male. Um, and you could poke it, and it was not moving. But I could see, like, when you pick it up, its tongue's flicking, and its eyes are looking around. It's definitely good. And so I took it off and let it go, and it smelled so bad that by the time I let it on the ground, 20 of those big-ass green flies were all over it. I don't even know it, where they came from. Thinking it was dead. Until it just went off on its merry way. Yeah, was- our kid comes back in the house and she's like, quick, daddy's really excited. I'm like, then it's obviously a speckled king snake. If he is oh, this excited. I was very excited. I was like, it is not a garter snake. <laughs> I, still, I still have been excited. 
I just had someone send me a photo. Is this a copperhead? And they got a rat snake holding it with a pair of shears by its head. Jesus Christ. I'm like, well, no, it was a perfectly harmless rat snake. I've seen several pictures lately this week on on Facebook groups of dead, non-venomous snakes. It's that time of year, man. Uh, Scott Borden posted a picture of one of his scrub python. I think it's a scrub python. Uh, This bright yellow python. It fucking looks amazing. I don't know if Scott's listening, but that python looks amazing. Um, there was something else I wanted to talk about that I'd seen. Uh, who posted? Fucking Nathan posted a picture of a fucking dwarf came in with bunny ears. That can go away. <laughs> I almost deleted that and like was like, that's a violation. <laughs> Why? It's cute. It's not fucking cute. <laughs> that's the moment where I wish that came in would have bit that person. Uh, Just taking a finger off. There was a video of somebody getting bit. Was there? I missed it. Maybe that was last week. I missed that one. Oh, speaking of getting bit, I posted this one. It was a picture. Guy got bit by a snake. And to save himself from dying from the venom, oh, chopped his finger off. That's what I was thinking of. Just kidding. Couple problems with that. One. Look at Chris's face. Chris is like, wait a minute. One. Something does not compute here. <laughs> it was, the first problem with that is, one, it was not venomous. Come to find out. And two, that's not how venom works. You can't just chop your... Someone's watched zombie movies too much and gone, if I chop my finger off, I won't die. He chopped it off, like mid-bone, too. Not even at the knuckle. What? Okay. Go Go ahead. What? So for our listeners out there that may not understand why chopping their finger off doesn't... Because it's in your bloodstream. Okay. That makes sense. Because it's venom. Injected and into by your bloodstream. I mean me. I don't understand. <laughs> it's, inject, it's injected just like sucking it okay. out doesn't do anything. That, okay, that, okay. That, that all makes sense yeah. now. Once it bit you, it's there. Once you verbalized it, I got it. <laughs> but the great thing is he chopped his fucking finger off for a non venomous snake. That's that's just a, no going back. a different level of stupid. And now he has a reminder of, oh yeah, don't be stupid. So that was our post from this week. The The big one I want to talk about was the, the raping of the Bengal monitor lizard. Oh, my God. Maybe, you know what? Crocodile. That was the next one. I bet they were moving their way up to Crocodile. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and then they could just say, look, I wasn't fucking a crocodile. I was sexing a crocodile. And you have to go internally <laughs> to see no if it's male or female. Let's wrap this up. I remember the first time I sexed an alligator. It's a weird sensation. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's uh, it's very awkward. We'll take your word for it. Well, I mean, you have to be very intimate with the alligator. <laughs> very intimate. And, uh, right, that's a- and when you feel it's a male, it's, 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 it's obvious it's a male. Okay. So those of you that don't know what it's like out there, I, no, I'm not going to explain it. Just know that you got to <laughs> stick a finger inside of an orifice, and if, it, if you feel something poking back, it's not a girl. <laughs> so. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, if we get a little lucky with snakes. We just pop a little hemi peeing out and go, "Oh, it's a, it's a male." You don't get to pop things out with the with alligators. Huh. All right. So, Chris, if people want to come check out your amazing place, which that we are going to check out yeah, in the very near future, twenty three minutes from our house. <laughs> we definitely, we should definitely have gone to check this out by now. I can't. We're coming we on. A, we're off in two weekends. On that Sunday, yes. What do we have on Saturday? I will not be here. Oh, because you're going to Drew's I'll be, place. I'll be you're going to the other place that I had You're going to the other place I need to go to that yep. I haven't been to. Oh, okay. Yep. You should not go to Drew's place before you come here. It's but it's 
But it's a brunch. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a brunch. It's a female's all brunch. Girls. Are you, you know going to have a brunch you know what? all girls? Robert and I may go on that Saturday. You're right. I'm not going to have a brunch. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a unicorn that I get to see. It's a, it's a pony. It's going to be so cute. It's a pony with a horn. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Drew is putting, Drew is putting horns on. No, 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 no. Becca. Becca. Becca is. It's not Drew. It's this Becca. is Becca's. <laughs> um, I'm going to save Drew. This is Becca's pro- project. Not Drew's project. Drew, man, I was piping you up. I hope you're listening. You can't unicorns, man. <laughs> so we're going to go put a horn on a on an angry now crocodile and have oh, unicorns. Oh, goodness. All right. So if they, if they want to come visit uh, Crocodile Encounters, what's the best way, website and all that stuff they can do? Yeah, we're easy to find. It's crocodileencounters.com. So. Dot com. Yeah. I went there today and realized that we need to go tomorrow. Let's go tomorrow. Let's just skip school. What time do you close? You're going to the Astros game tomorrow. That's true. I am going to an Astros game tomorrow. That's true. Okay, and I have we're to be We're not talking to you right now. Who? You? Yeah. It's, Sorry. It's his fault. He only has one ticket. I know, and he could have invited me, and he I didn't chose realize you. Would wait, 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 wait. Robert's, Robert's, <laughs> Robert's options are invite you to the Astros game or me to the Astros yeah, game. I'm not going to show up wearing a Braves World Series shirt. I was about to World say she wouldn't have worn a Braves World Series shirt. that is a dick yeah. move. It's not a Braves World Series you know what, shirt. Why don't you it's, go a, <laughs> it's a Braves World Champion shirt. Yeah. Whatever. It's a dick move. I did, I did order it just for this game. If you get beat up tomorrow night, I'm just letting it happen. 100%. And he deserves it all. I'll make a deal. I will cheer for the Astros to beat the Angels because the only thing I know about the Angels was that it was a great movie when I was a kid and there were Angels in the outfield. <laughs> That's it. I will I will cheer for the Astros to win because I feel bad because they lost the World Series. <laughs> Had it been any other team in the World Series, I would have been cheering for the Astros. <laughs> I probably would have to. Especially if it yeah. I mean, I'm kind of excited to get to see Otani pitch tomorrow night. But there you go. I haven't been to an Astros game. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to go to an Astros game. For my, I've now been to uh, Rockets games since I've been here. A couple of them. Those were my first uh, NBA basketball, NBA games. I have now gone. I will now be going to a baseball game, and next year I'm going to an XFL football game when they bring the XFL football back over here. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. So, oh my lord! All if right. you need to get any form of a reptile rack, retail <clears throat> Lone Star LS Reptile Racks dot com dot com, and take care of business. If you need to get a hold of us, James, what do they do? The Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or at Gmail dot com. And again, if you're going to get a rack from Robert. Get your order in soon for a show because lately they've been going pretty quick. Uh, Austin is hopefully going to be a pretty good show. Come out and see us at Austin. That's at uh, – I forget what that venue is because I haven't been to it. It's called The Pack. The, the PAC. Pack. It's in Leander. Yeah. It's that place. I hear your hotel is. I hear it's nice. It's big. It is. Which is nice because the old one was not. Load in, load out is kind of rough because there's only one door. It's just like the old venue. It's just one front door. But it's not but over – uh, But don't have to go over a two-foot rail. Yeah, it's not over a, uh, a skate rink. Right. So – we're good. But other Chris, than that, it's a great venue. Hang out with us just for a minute after we sign off. And thank you so much for being on the yes, podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh, a lot of fun. It was, good, it was a good time. Awesome. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week with someone. Don't know yet. We'll figure it out. <laughs> good, good night. <laughs>